Andrew McGahan here for Severe MMA. The pride of Limerick. The young man named Sean Sheehan. The Severe MMA people that are coming to the local shows way before everyone else. To see them coming up and they're getting their shot. And I'm proud that people are coming up with me. Episode 71 of the Severe MMA podcast is here. Andrew McGahan joined, as always, by Limerick's, as voted this year, ladies and gentlemen, the seventh most eligible bachelor in Limerick. Mr. Sean Sheehan, ladies and gentlemen. I was fucking robbed. I look, robbed. I completely agree with you. I think it was rigged. The people that sponsored the local paper that did the awards, you know, the fingers and pies everywhere. Those, the heads of those businesses that were voted ahead of you, Sean, were paying good advertising rates to the paper. You need to get on it and get a slot in the paper. Jerry Flannery was fourth, like. What, what was that about? I have no idea, like. He's not even in the top 40. Off the top of my head, like. Pure joke. What an absolute joke. I'm I, trying to think of another famous Limerick person there and I couldn't. But yeah, no, it's just Jerry and you, like. You mean Jerry? <laughs> That's a bit like me in Dundalk, except it's Jerry Adams and Andrew McGann. <laughs> you have Ian Hart, don't you? Or is he from Drogheda? He's from Drogheda, yeah. Oh, we wow. have Steve Staunton. Oh, God. <laughs> you will, yeah. <laughs> I can understand why you left too much. Yeah, so it's just... Come here, I, I know we're going to keep keep the chit-chat very, very short this you know, week. this week, yeah. It's going to be a long one this week. I, That's what she said. I, I, I found... Um, I found one of my new favourite pleasures in life today. That's what she said. That's also what she said, yeah. No. So, I came in from training there. I'm fucking all over the place. I'm flustered. You know I like to have a wee uh, cup of tea doing the podcast yeah. and as well as a uh, drink of diluted. Now, my summer fruits my wadi was had just enough dilutable drink left in it that I could just put it under the tap and fill the full oh, bottle full. Isn't that one of just the best things yeah. to ever like that's a that. that's a first world perk right there, not a first world yeah. problem. Come in and you just hear it as you can hear it shaking around. That's just pure that's pure my wadi summer fruits. I'm a little bit um, jealous now. I, the only my wadi I like is the uh, blackcurrant. And I like the double stuff one, you know, so you get one no. bottle that lasts you about six months. So I agree with you on the blackcurrant because yeah. my wadi blackcurrant is the most superior one in the market. And don't mm-hmm. even come near me with the no added sugar edition of it because it's pretty much a, a completely different drink entirely. It needs to be the one with the green cap on it, my wadi blackcurrant, all day. However, you're completely wrong with the double concentrate. Uh, no, no, Why? no, because it's the devil's invention. We've definitely talked about this in the podcast before. Why, what's wrong with it? It's just, it ruins everything. Everybody knows their consistency for dilutable drinks. I've bought, I've my bought consistencies down there. But you don't. You think do, you do, though. but no, you I don't do. because double concentrate is always stronger. It's yeah. not as nice. I know, I can, I actually always buy the double concentrate now, so I actually... When I go, go revert back to the other one, I have to actually adjust my consistency. Oh, no. You're but a I, sick I, I human. See where, I see where you're coming from, all right, but yeah. Isn't there also little pouches you can buy now, Robinson's ones, that you just like a couple of drops into a drink, into a water, like uh, it snake fits, oil. It fits in your pocket? Snake oil. Snake oil. Wouldn't bite him. Fuck Frauds. <laughs> That's all. They're not both. They're not. What, oh, no. What's Dave Fogarty's favorite line? They're not cowboys. They're frauds. That's what, uh, when the rodeo was on in Vegas that time, Graham had a bit of an issue with the rodeo clientele. He's like, oh, oh God, yes. They're, I not, about that. they're not cowboys, they're frauds. They're, they're, they're catching docile animals. 
if there were cowboys, they wouldn't be in Las Vegas. They'd be going around riding around on horses. Excellent, man. Okay, speaking of summer fruits, Sean, that's what that's where my that's why I brought up the my wadi because it's my our link into our brilliant sponsors, ROS Nutrition. I've been trialing a couple of products from them over the last couple of weeks. Head on over to rsnutrition.com for absolutely all of your supplement and workout needs. Um, as I said at the start, now I'm going to re, uh, reiterate excellent breakdowns on every single product over on the website. I had a couple of people look into it who have since used the code, which I'm going to tell you about in a while. Uh, they're gym guys that do a lot of work working out themselves. And I just said, boys, do us a favor. Go on to ROS. Look at their supplements. I'm telling you, they're top dollar. And an order has been put in, Sean. Nice. So there we go. Um, head on over to orosnutrition.com. Everything is broken down by category for you. If you're an athlete, they have a new martial arts section as well. If you're playing a bit of gaff, you're playing a bit of rugby, if you're a cyclist, everything is broken down for you and they will recommend the products that they think you should be taking to improve your training. They sent me out a couple of things, the Omni Joint Original. Uh, who was it? Was it Brian McLaughlin? Yeah, got on that. He, yeah. He did, yeah. I'm going to pop a few of them now in a second. I've got some vitamin D capsules as well. I have to admit, not that I... Uh, we've been having absolutely outstanding weather the last... Uh, Boiling. The last week Too or warm, so. Too warm, The colour on me is unreal. People won't recognise me at Irish MMA events from now on because I just look like a completely different person. Sunburnt to absolute bits in the back of my neck, but that neck, that doesn't matter. We're happy. I'm still taking my vitamin D tablets as well, though, uh, every day. And also the BCAs, which it, it's done crazy things to me, Sean. Because last Tuesday morning, I took some while I was training Nogi, and I ended up running for 10 minutes on the treadmill after training because I wasn't tired. Jeez. And I hate running. Anybody that knows me that listens to this podcast will know that I hate running. I can um, imagine. I can imagine. It's just, it's not good at all. So I, uh, one scoop into my water, into my uh, ROS shaker, just sipping on it throughout the session very refreshing it's also a summer fruits flavor and uh just it actually just maybe it's a uh, i don't know maybe it's because i love summer fruits diluted anyway that it's just so much easier for me to drink but definitely feeling the effects definitely could recommend it to anyone doing jiu-jitsu anyone practicing martial arts get yourself some bcas from ors nutrition head on over to the website orsnutrition.com and use the code sean do you want to know it it's severe MMA in capital letters for 25% off your very first order. RSNutrition.com. Head on over, check them out on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, all of the, those good things as well. And shout out to the lads for the supplements because they're helping me for my own training as well. So two thumbs up, big fans. Check them out. Definitely. There you go. I should be a salesman, Sean, not a podcaster. You should, yeah. That's. You should, I, I just write, I should write the scripts. Or well, freestyle, freestyle the scripts. Like your Martha Simpsons, is it? What the? What's his name? Gil. Gil, the salesman. Yeah. He had who had many different jobs. Yes. Yeah, that's it. Uh, he the most his most noticeable appearance was when he took the third wall from work from home. Remember when Marge was selling property? But actually, he's a terrible salesman. So. Yeah, no, because he goes to oh yeah. Well, I just appreciated the fact for once in our relationship, you made the Simpsons reference. So <laughs> yes, indeed. I'm kind of happy. I was going to tag you in a post on Facebook today of uh, when you finally meet a person who understands and appreciates your Simpsons references. And obviously, I'm going to have to make a Simpsons reference because that was the meme. It was when Milhouse met the guy that looked like Milhouse and he hugged him. No. No? Okay, never mind. Today in the world of mixed martial arts, on a Monday, normally, Sean, we record this podcast a little bit earlier. However, there was a little bit of news today. 
Ariel Helwani had a special edition of the Mixed Martial Arts Hour. The long, I'm going to say the longest running Mixed Martial Arts weekly show. Um, maybe. Uh, sure Dog probably has one longer. Sure Dog probably it's is on anyway, something on the radio. Either way, if it's not the longest, it is definitely the most known. Um, 23 at one point, I think at a peak of 27,000 people tuned in live today to watch Ariel Helwani give his address on the events that have unfolded from the last couple of days and at UFC 199. In case you're listening to this podcast and you haven't been able to catch up on everything like that, no hassle. Andrew McGahan and Sean Sheehan have you covered for the next 20 or 30 minutes that we'll spend on this topic. Sean, where do you want me to start? Saturday? Yeah, you might as well, before we get into anything, just run through the details of exactly what we know, what, we, what happened, and then we'll, we'll talk about it. So, yeah, so, Saturday. Um, UFC 199 took place at the Forum in Los Angeles, or in Inglewood, California. Um, Ariel Helwani, Casey Lydon, and Esther Lynn were all attending the event and covering it on behalf of MMA Fighting. Um, they were going through their coverage as normal. All of this was going on. But earlier on in the day, Ariel himself broke two news stories that Conor McGregor versus Nate Diaz 2 would be taking place, or was what's the official wording on it, Sean? Yeah, he, he was saying they were working on it. It was, it was you know. they were working on it to take place on the twentieth of August. This was later confirmed to be true later on in the day. It's not the first time that Ariel has scooped uh, even the UFC in the last couple of weeks or months, so that's fair enough. But what really sent the tremors around the world, and I missed all of this as it was happening live on Twitter. I was very entertained at work. Um, Ariel released a story that the UFC. We're working on a deal to get Brock Lesnar to come back and fight at UFC 200, and it was very close. This later proved out also to be completely true. Ariel made a point of saying this, Sean, on an interview he did today, that anything he has put out and published has never been proven wrong. He has never put something out that has later gone on to be incorrect. So when Ariel reports something, people take it for 100% this is going to happen. Twitter, from what I saw looking back on it, the internet melted down at the prospect of Brock Lesnar coming back to fight at UFC 200. Later on, during the broadcast, on a, if I do say, an excellent promo video for UFC 200. A little bit confused how they had time to shoot it, though, because the commercial was already apparently done, resulting in Conor being withdrawn, but an issue for another day. Uh, a really, really good advertisement that finished with Brock Lesnar appearing on the screen. Um, what did he say? Can you see me now? Yeah. Can you see me now? And he punched the screen. Mike Goldberg then announced it on the broadcast. It looked genuinely like Joe Rogan had just found out about it for the first time. This seems to be the announcement that the UFC were keeping for quite a while. Um, Joe Rogan seemed like he'd never heard of it. Like his face was like, well, when, when was this? When did this happen? So it was announced that Brock Lesnar would be returning to fight at UFC 200. But Ariel had already released that story a couple of hours previously to the UFC being able to release it. Okay, we can see where the UFC are going to be annoyed here. Big grand reveal, beaten by a journalist, okay? We're just going to put that point aside for another while. Then Ariel was asked to come backstage to speak to Dana White. and They weren't happy about it. They said that he went about it in the wrong way, that he should have asked him for comment, that they should have asked him something. Again, that is a point in particular that I want to highlight that we're going to bring up later on in this show. 
Ariel then uh, was watching the fights and then another PR person came and asked him to bring him backstage to speak to Dana White. Ariel would uh, asked if Casey Lydon, who's Ariel's videographer, would go backstage with him as he wanted someone to be there. Um, then Dana White was annoyed with Ariel. He addressed this himself. Dana then said that Lorenzo doesn't like him. Lorenzo wants him out and for breaking this news that he'd have to go. So the UFC, um, I don't think I don't want to say they were escorted back to the press room, but they went back to the press room. They gathered their things. People on Fight Night were tweeting about how Esther Lynn was removed from cage side moments before the main event. This is in between the co-main event and the main event. They had to get their things. They were walked out of the building, and Zufa employees or people waited in the until they had left the parking lot itself. Have I got everything there, Sean? You have. Yeah. That's basically it. This is probably the longest you've gone without speaking on the podcast. <laughs> so I am going to flip it in turn to you. Right. From the events that have happened on sa- since Saturday, okay, the two things that I wanted to, to stress on. First of all, had Ariel Helwani asked the UFC for comment, the UFC would have brought the announcement for themselves and released it. That is the only reason that they are saying... They want, they're like, why didn't you ask us for comment? You don't need to. If you can get it confirmed by multiple sources, you can run that story. If this news wasn't embargoed, it's not the case that the UFC had told Ariel about it, said, this is embargoed, you can't release this until a certain time. That's a completely different kettle of fish. Ariel yeah. Helwani, as a journalist who covers the sport of mixed martial arts, did absolutely everything by the book. Yeah, the thing is here, right? Okay, you you explained that well there. What the UFC got mad about is he broke the story before they were able to put it on their broadcast, right? <clears throat> so th- that's a problem for the UFC, right? Because they like to be in control of everything. And when Ariel used to work for Fox and things like that, he said it on his show today that he had, in the past, he had buried stories because he was told to wait. There's, you know, someone else has been promised the exclusive or they want to announce it at a certain time. Right, which is fair enough. But now he's not with um, Fox anymore. So he doesn't have to do that, right? He doesn't have to wait. He, there's nobody telling him to wait. All he's doing, all he's working for is MMAfinding.com. So he found out about the story and he reported it. We, there's nothing wrong with that. You, you know, if someone told one of us, uh, if we got good sources, if we got, you know, the, whoever the sources might be, we, we do the same. Or anyone, you know, anyone would do the same. <clears throat> but... but Ariel explained it brilliantly in his shot there. There has been a back and forth between him and the UFC with a, a lot of, you know, a lot of different incidents over the years. And they decided enough was enough. Then White told him to go and cover Bellator, that he wasn't wanted there anymore. Which, you know... That's a line petty, and a half, you know? isn't it? Like, Yeah, there, there's just two, two main, main things here to get this out of, right? This is just petty bullshit, to be honest. Um... <clears throat> To throw Ariel out for this is throwing someone out for doing their job, right? And the second thing is, I remember Josh Gross made a great point before. It was maybe a year ago, two years ago. There were people talking about credentials and, you know, talking about whether someone deserves a credential or what credentials are for. And he gave a great description of what credentials are. Credentials are just a pass for you to do your job. Credentials are not a free ticket, you know, pe- people might think that if you know if you're not involved in the meet or whatever, it's just oh you get to see the fights for free. No, 
it's say if you work in an office and they have a, a, a the door in the front is locked, if they give you a swipe card to get in the door, and you have another the same swipe card to get in the door, the inside door to your office. That's like what a credential is for the UFC for a, a media member. <clears throat> it's to swipe so you can get in, so you can do your job. <clears throat> they want. Uh, it's the duty of a sports, um, uh, sports franchise or a sports team or stuff to let the media do their job. The media has a place in society. They should be allowed to do and say what they want, as long as it's fair, as long as it's ethical. Ariel Hilamani did nothing unethical or nothing unfair. He reported news and he got thrown out of it because of it. Because the UFC basically want to rule everything. They want to go through everything with a fine-tooth comb and they want to be in charge of everything. And when someone doesn't allow them to do that, they throw their ties out of the pram. And that's basically what happened Saturday night. The reaction. Okay? Let's talk about that first or first and foremost. Ariel got it up on Twitter. Um, I will pull the tweets up myself. But he was outside the venue. He explained the story as it happened. And has done a little bit of media since then himself. But what I'm saying is the main point is the amount of people that picked up on it outside of the mixed martial arts bubble. Do you know, like actual writers, journalists, people who have no care about mixed martial arts. Jeremy Botter was flat out retweeting every single last one of them. This just goes to show that it's like... This looks so bad for the UFC, Sean. Yeah, and I I, and it like for all of this talk about, we had an excellent. All I could think of was this question that we got to the podcast months ago about, like, who cares if it's not mainstream? It's never going to be mainstream. Do you know that that sort of question? It's like, why do people keep talking about this becoming a mainstream thing when it's like football's a generation thing? Like, uh, GA is steeped in our nation. Do you know what I mean? It's not like UFC is just going to like that or mixed martial arts like that is going to do that. So this is like, if you're going to use any counter argument, it's, yeah, okay, this isn't professional and mainstream, but that's because it's not. And it probably, the sport of mixed martial arts probably never will be. It's niche. Yeah, and the thing is, the great thing about these people that are coming out saying it today is they've been doing it for years. Guys, Rich Eisen, I, I don't know him too well, but Ariel, I look, you know, Ariel was on his show the day before that, and he's one of these guys that's been doing it for years. <clears throat> he came out and basically called the UFC out, like said exactly what it was, you know, that this is not right. He didn't do anything wrong. And something that's very important to hear that, that we have to mention as well that you, you alluded to it there. The real videographer Casey uh, Casey Lighton went with him to the back room um, because Ariel asked him to go with him because he didn't want to go alone. Which will there's another reason for which we'll get into maybe in a few minutes. Um, and he so he went with him and Ariel told him to go as well. He asked was his uh, I think she's his fiance or I'm not Esther sure, uh, Esther yeah, and Casey are engaged. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, she he was told to go get her as well, or they went and got her and t- asked her to leave as well. And they were escorted. They were escorted to their room to get their stuff, and they were escorted. Ariel said, as far as their car, until they were going out of the car park, they were escorted out. Um, like to to you understand their reasons for getting rid of Ariel, right? Okay, we disagree with them totally. I do anyway, from in my opinion. But to get rid of Esther 
and to get rid of Casey for absolutely no reason. What, what did Esther do? She was, ta- you know, she was taking photos. She probably She's, hadn't seen Ariel in about seven hours. Probably yeah. only from if she checked her phone would have known those stories went up. Yeah, it's just so petty. Like, they just rule, they try to rule over everything. They try to run everything with this kind of, with this iron fist. You know, and it, you know, it's been going on for years. People, people, we used to ask asked like a question about dealing with UC and we don't really deal with them that much. When we deal with them, they're, they're friendly enough to us because, you know, we're not, we're small time really. Like, to be honest, the things we do, you know, it's it's not we're not ruffling any feathers or anything that's not, not kind of what we do we do Irish MMA we do news and stuff but you know for guys like say like Jeremy Potter or like Ariel or you know guys that are doing it all the time in Vegas like over there covering events they've you know you saw heard Jeremy Potter yesterday on, on submission radio and I tell anyone to go and listen to that this stuff has been going on for years you hear Ariel saying about Zufa and, and Fox making life very difficult for him over the years um, you know this is kind of, uh, it's. I wouldn't say, I was going to say it's an untold secret, but it's not. People have been talking about this for years, you know. Dana White has banned people before he banned, I think, MMA Weekly, banned Sherdog, banned Josh Cross, banned Loretta Hunt. And, you know, Ariel's the biggest one. And media has changed a lot. And I think not and nothing kind of no big ban like this had happened in a good while because media has changed i think it's got an awful lot better it's got you know we were talking about the sport being niche but the media itself has actually gotten a lot better even guys like us you know, there's a lot of people like us who are just small time and doing a, like okay maybe not saying it about us but saying about it doing a great job you've got lots of big guys as well doing great jobs the likes of Ari, luke thomas john morgan chuck min and all you know uh, people all over the world doing it and we're at a stage now where doing something like this looks like Bush League stuff. You know, it looks like the UFC back when they did it to, to Josh Cross and stuff. It was, Josh Cross made a great point as well again on Twitter today that someone said, oh, if you weren't behind Josh Cross, then you shouldn't be behind Ariel now, which is fair enough for money, but in another way, it has changed an awful lot. There was no media that really didn't get behind him. Josh Cross was the media, you know. There was a couple more people doing it, but, you know... Who, who could get behind him there? But it's been great to see over the last couple of days. I think everyone has got behind him. You know, people who be his competitors, like, I know Ben Fox's friends are angry, but he works for a competitor, competitive, um, a competitive website, competitor website. He came out for him. We've all done it, you know. Everyone, like Jeremy Botter, everyone has come up behind Ireland because this is an injustice. And if it can happen to him, it can happen to anyone else. And it shouldn't be allowed to happen. Something has to be done. Just on the topic of the other people, um, of this happening to the other people, it's not too many years ago, Sean, when you think about it, I think it was definitely within the last 10 years, but Dana White, to address what happened, took to a video blog to verbally abuse Loretta Hunt and say horrible things about her as if it was, uh, cool, bro, yeah. Fuck you, fuck you, like, and I'm, I wouldn't dare read it out, like, I have this, I pulled up the transcript there because I was considering it, and, like, you can look it up yourself online, there is, that is how they have dealt with things like that in the past, now, for whatever reasons, maybe the rumours of an impending sale are as true, but the spotlight has changed, there is no more of this stuff anymore, there is no, uh, like, everything seems to be by the book, and this and that and now 
it's completely changed. Now, actually, do you know what? He's gone too far. He's taken a, a, a scoop, a story away from us one too many times. And to be fair, Sean, don't, the UFC shouldn't really cry here because on the opposite side of that, they helped make Ariel this massive figure. Yeah. If we call a spade a spade, as you said, the UFC and the Fox thing, for those that don't know, although Ariel was working on Fox Sports, he admitted today, and in fairness to Ariel, a lot of people are giving him criticism for some of the things that he put out online or put out yeah. on the show today because saying that it does tow maybe a questionable line. And he was completely honest about it. He put absolutely everything out on the table. And he did say it bothered him for a long time. But technically, Ariel Helwani's checks from Fox were being paid by Zufa. So he was technically being paid by Zufa while also covering uh, covering it independently. Am I right in saying that? Yeah, like he said that today, that that was the one thing that ate away at him. And he actually alluded to like people holding it over his head. It was like kind of a secret. As if they were going to... Um, <laughs> yeah, as if they were going to use it to discredit him. But he, he said it himself. And you have to, you know, this wasn't a, you know, a fluff piece on himself. You know, he, it was a warts and all description. He said everything that was, you know, that was going on. Yeah, and that's the one thing, you know, that's a bit weird, but there's lots, you know, there's lots of people doing it, lots of people have, you know, worked for UFC and stuff over the years, and look, I wouldn't personally do it myself, but I still, you know, we discussed this before, we got a question about this maybe a year ago. And I, and have, like, a, I have a question. Well, just one second. Just sorry, one second. sorry, the, sorry. Yeah, the answer I gave back then was, there's different roles in MMA media, right? And Ariel is a reporter. He, you know, he gives his opinion sometimes, but what he does most of the time is he reports news. And he's always done that fairly, as, as you said there a few minutes ago. He, you know, he's never been wrong, and he said that he keeps saying he's never been wrong. And as long as he's never wrong, you know, he still has that integrity. And he, you know, when I heard that news of Mark Hunter Brock Lesnar on Saturday night, I was like, no way. And then I saw, oh, it's Ariel reporting it. Okay, so it's happening. Like I didn't even question it. You know, I questioned it when I saw the news. When I saw who reporting the news, I said it's happening, and like I got into Graham and said, "We're right. I'm writing an article on this." You know, that's the way. <clears throat> if I see an article from anyone else, I'm you know I'm, I'll wait for the UFC to break. But if I see it from Ariel, we put it up. That's how trusted he is. Ariel is as trusted a source as the source itself, as the UFC. And that's look, what he is. And look at it this way. My other my other point is many people have done things for the UFC over the years. Um, whether it's writing or even Ariel being on the 20th anniversary uh, documentary. Do you know what I mean? Or John Morgan or Brett Okamoto or different fighter, or different media members that have spoken um, like on camera for the UFC. And to be honest, Sean, for, I don't know if Graham's told you this story yet, but for about 60 seconds, I thought I was going to be oh, one of those oh, people on Monday. <laughs> well, I read it out for you very quickly. We'll, we'll, I think we'll leave it till the end, will we? We'll uh, summer okay, I'll summarise it just so I don't... Just because I've mentioned it. I got a, an email on Monday night from Miss Jackie Paridian, Senior Vice President of Global Brand Marketing of Ultimate Fighting Championship. Aside from the fact that the first email looked like it was written by uh, a child, uh, like seven or eight-year-old child, I had screenshotted, I was in the gym, I opened it during training, I screenshot it, sent it to Graham. I actually thought it was legit at the start. Um, asking would it be possible to do a screen test this Wednesday in New York. Thinking maybe it's something like that. Maybe it's some sort of presenting thing. Maybe it's some sort of broadcasting. At the end of the day, we'll see what the crack is. So I said, no problem. What would it entail? 
and yes, I'll put nothing about this online because that said, uh, I need you to be very careful with your tweets and social communications. So then it turned into uh, blah, 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 blah. There will be two cameras, two gentlemen in the room, one of them with a GoPro. You'll enter the room, sit on the leather couch. It doesn't matter about nerves. That can be endearing. The male interviewer will ask you several questions. Then you will get undressed. Omar <laughs> will then enter the room and you will perform a short sex act on him. <laughs> <laughs> and then there's more but I'm not reading that out in the podcast and I you said I said see I knew the grammar in the first one was too bad for it to be true as well as the bogus email I knew my first reply of free Ariel was better see you later uh, sorry man wasn't my idea guess who and then the thing that annoyed me the most Sean this is the only reason that I'm talking about this in the podcast free Ariel you were going to take his job exclamation mark exclamation mark exclamation mark if these people are trying to troll me they didn't realise that Ariel works for MMAfighting.com and SB Nation as opposed to the UFC. So that actually had nothing to do with... So, sorry. Yeah. And then yeah. when I replied, uh, it didn't deliver. They had blocked me. Yeah, sure, these things happen. All right, just a, a final few closing things before we, we get on to it. Um, look, a lot of the talk... This talk is, you know, it's only just starting, really. And you know, as we said, it's great to get out, get this out there on those big, big platforms and stuff. But you know, you just have to look at it in a personal way as well. I think uh, Grabak, a hitman, put up a great thing that this is, you know, this is kind of a this is a man who has wife and children at home, and he's being stopped from doing his job by this big brand by the you know the UFC Dana, by Lorenzo Fertitta this billionaire is stopping a man from doing his job when he did nothing wrong according to Dana yeah well Dana why too it's a millionaire and a billionaire whichever we you know people need to stick up for him you know we, we have to stand, you know we have to band together we have to say by him he did absolutely nothing wrong and as I said if they can do it to him they can do it to anyone <clears throat> but um he, you know, he said a lot of things on the MMAR today, and you know, he said about how he has helped other people. You know, he loves the sport, and you know, even talking to guys like Jeremy Baller before, you know, it's obvious that he does. Even before this all happened, like you know, he loves the sport, and even like I, I've been friends with Ari for a good while. Like you said it on on Twitter today, and I, I'd say the same thing. I wouldn't be here talking to you now if it wasn't for Ari Hawani. Like he was, I got introduced to the sport and to media of the sport via him I like watching his interviews watching him or like I haven't missed that show for a year like f- four five six years however long it's on you know I've watched that I wouldn't be here doing it for him like he has helped me do two things that people don't know listen here won't know you know and other people know but he you know he's gone out of his way to help me do things like that like this this isn't just some guy you're seeing online you know that's you know you know that's just some some person some you know some face online this is an actual real person who's he's a good man you know and we need to you know we stand by him he's had me on his show a couple of times and like uh, you know i'll be forever grateful for what he's done for me and i think we all you know it's our duty if you're a fan of this sport if you're a fan of this podcast get behind him stay you know stand behind him and you know the ufc do a lot of good things they do a lot of of you know they put on a lot of great events great fights but this is fucking bullshit you know and they, sh- they can't be allowed to get away with this there's two things people always ask me Sean well three things one is usually a comment about a red and black shirt and they don't really ask me that I just wanted to include that this, the two legitimate things is what's Conor McGregor like and what's Ariel Helwani like 
casual MMA fans that are just chatting to me about severe MMA want to know, is Conor really sound in real life? And what's Errol Helwani like? Like you said there, I think there isn't a case for any member of the severe MMA team that Ariel hasn't helped out massively yeah. throughout we've been doing this. As I did say, I am a complete product. The only reason I wanted to start interviewing local Irish MMA fighters was because of how much I looked up to Ariel when I was younger watching all of those videos, maybe 15, 16, when he was just starting all of this sort of thing and it was coming, on, coming online. It was absolutely amazing to be able to go to these events and to work alongside Ariel and for Ariel to be able to just come out of his way uh, for those I don't even know if I've ever told this story in the podcast Sean but I was refused credentials for Conor McGregor's fight in Boston for the first UFC UFC event that we covered in the States we had been at EMEA shows before that but Severe was a drop in the water at that stage and we wouldn't get into um, get into something like a UFC event. Ariel Helwani personally contacted the UFC and some of the PR team and some people to vouch for me personally to say that this kid will do a good job, that his work is good, that you definitely, you're not uh, making a mistake, letting him in, different things like that. Fair enough, he might be young or whatever like that, but he, he will do a great job. And then the following day, I got a credential from the UFC. And if it wasn't for that, aside from the fact that I was inspired to start all of this because of Ariel, I wouldn't even have got in the fucking door at a UFC event if it wasn't for Ariel. Um, UFC Fight Night London, McDonald and Barrow, he emailed me to ask how I was getting on, was I nervous, different things like that. Just, and these are the things that people don't see, Sean. They, they know him as an interviewer or maybe an instigator or different things like that. But nobody sees those things. Like, do you know what I mean? He's an yeah. absolutely top human. You're completely right. He, I think this will spark a massive change within the media. And, and just on that, okay, forget the fact what we're talking about here. Go on to Twitter and look at some specific media profile pages. There, sorry, there are multiple people that have said nothing about this online. Yeah. And it's an absolute embarrassment that you're allowing a colleague and this just stinks to me as I cannot get my head around it. Whatever about someone saying it's easy for you guys to row in behind Ariel, you guys don't get paid, this isn't your livelihood. Just be a good, decent human being and support what is right. Do you know what I mean? I cannot understand... Um, John Morgan mentioning it at the press conference, Kevin Ioli writing stories about it, multiple media members... High up media members like Brett Okamoto all putting it on Twitter saying how much of a farce it is. Ben folks writing articles and then you've got the people that won't say anything because they are the ones that are also either looking out for their own future careers or afraid of repercussions. It's just to me that it's too much. Or people who use this as an opportunity to take a shot at them, which there has been a few too. Yeah, now look around. And, and see the people, see how people react to this, and judge who you should trust. You know, just one one final point I want to make as well about about this whole credential. A lot of people, a lot of fans have been saying it, and it, look, this is more of a media kind of thing. And if fans don't care about this, I can't criticize them too much. Like, you know, a lot of fans do care about the you know the kind of inside things in MMA. If you don't, fair enough. But a credential, right? People, people talking about credentials, and Ariel said it himself today that it's not a, you know, it's not a right to have a credential; it's a privilege. 
but it's a privilege you earn you know and has anyone there, I don't think there's anyone in the sport that has earned the privilege more than anyone like he has broken more stories he has done more coverage he's gone to more events than anyone in, in the media look and if idiots like you and me can go and apply and get a credential which we both have and he can't what does that say like what it's just you know it's just wrong this this is just wrong it's an injustice like if he had done something wrong or something i could i could you know we you know we wouldn't be doing this we'd, we'd be saying you know we'd be criticizing him for doing something wrong but it's it's just this is terrible like and you know, i'll say it again because they haven't you know it hasn't been said enough by people i don't think um the, the casey lyden and and the esterlin thing like it, it's an absolute joke like imagine if we went to an event and I was sitting in my chair doing play by play or whatever, and you, you know, you, um, you were doing an interview with someone and you got thrown out, and they came up to me and said, "John, you have to go too." Like, imagine that. Imagine how ridiculous that would be, and that—that's basically what happened. Like, and you know, UFC need to come out. They need to apologize and they need to change their ways. Basically, that's what needs to happen here. One thing, Sean, to transition us nicely, the first tweet that Ariel put up because I know I did pull them up that time and then ended up uh, not reading them. He was, his last line, didn't see Bisbing realise his dream. And maybe um, I just follow different people. Maybe I follow a lot more media members. The Ariel Helwani story seems to be a little bit, it stayed in the news longer than Michael Bisbing beating Luke Rockhold. Yeah, it's which is more, unfortunate. Like. Which is very, very unfortunate because we're going to talk about Michael Bisbing dethroning Luke Rockhold now at UFC 199 this past weekend. Sean, I'm going to give you my immediate thoughts on the fight first of all and then you can just throw some shit back at me if you want. Nope. This fight was hilarious. The, fin- like, the finish was, Jordan Breen said it best on Twitter. He said there has never been a more, there's never been a better example of a fight where it can literally only be won by one punch, that it's actually won by one punch, with the exception, maybe, in my opinion, of St. Pierre and Matt Serra. Yeah. You could see, from whatever had gone in the round, Rockhold's speed and agility was on a far superior level to Michael Bisbing. But the first big strike of the night was a straight right from Michael Bisbing that opened up maybe in the first 20 seconds of the round. And that's pretty much the exact story of the fight. Bisbing was able to hit hard and connect seldom where Rockhold seemed okay with connecting often often, but not putting too much power on those shots. It seemed like he was playing with Bisbing at times. I think there was something like two... um, just around three minutes left in the round, he had him close to the cage, and you're thinking he's gonna f- he's gonna unload here and put Bisping against the cage, and he just eased off and he just stepped back, and he seemed cocky, and his hands were low and his chin was up in the air, but he was still throwing absolutely beautiful strikes. Luke Rockhold was tagging Michael Bisping, and I think the cumulative damage would have resulted in it being a long night for Bisping, but. It, it, Bisbing took his fucking chances like a man because Rockhold started out striking him but Bisbing was catching him with shots and it was like maybe Bisbing was winning one out of every third or, or maybe even fourth exchange and he was winning it because he was landing a good shot that people like was making Rockhold move away and there are shots that would have only been glancing shots had Rockhold gone in with another with another game plan maybe or maybe a little bit more of a defensive style 
Um, Rockhold then started like really ramping up the damage on Bisping at one point, about 45 to 50 seconds before the finish. Um, and I think that got Bisping more desperate. So he was going to have to throw harder. He was going to have to throw wilder. And it just worked for him. Rockhold hit him with a fantastic... Uh, it was kind of like a step off to the side. It was a right hook that hit Bisping literally 15, 20 seconds before the finish. And that it was like something clicked in Bisping. He was like, fuck this guy. Like, do you know what I mean? And then his finish was just... It was, talk about Conor McGregor versus Chad Mendes. That sort of left across the face that makes the face turn the other way completely. And it just connected absolutely lovely. Maybe I'm being harsh on Bisping here because I don't think he was as out of the fight maybe as I was letting on there because he was landing on Luke Rockhold. But the finish is just such a perfect example of mixed martial arts and keep your head fucking down and keep working and keep grinding away because that is probably one of the most deserved championship wins I have ever seen watching UFC. Yeah, like I, I tweeted on the night to Luke Rockhold. Do you, do you ever get those right? <laughs> do you ever get you come home like after a day out or something, and there's a letter in the door from the post office that there's there's a box waiting for you. Package has been delivered, but you have to go to this building and pick it up. Yeah, because they couldn't deliver it. Right, Luke Rockhold looked like he got one of those things in his in his letterbox. Right, and it said your UFC belt is in the forum in Inglewood and you have to go and pick it up right and he went there and there was a big queue and you know in that queue there was Michael Bisping there and he was like oh no I just have to I just have to wait to get past Bisping and then I'll be able to pick up my belt that's what Luke Rockhold seemed like on Saturday night and he's just like ah oh, look I'm just gonna win this you know I'll just go here I'll just you know I'll just get past Bisping and then you know it's over I'll have my belt back but Bisping had other ideas. Yeah, you know, you have to credit him. We, you know, we we gave we totally wrote him off, and everyone kind of wrote him off. Like I thought he had no chance. You know, puncher stands. Like Bisping doesn't hit hard, <laughs> but apparently he does. Uh, but you ha- you know you have to give it to him. He was as game as hell. Bisping was. He knew he had a chance. You know, or he knew he you know he knew he was given a chance, and he went out and he fucking took it. And you know you have to you know you have to admire that. Out of all you know, out of all the the kind of mess that happened afterwards with Ari and everything can't be lost you know what Bisping actually did this was an unbelievable display you know just just brilliant what he what he actually went out there and did you know he he took his opportunity he talked about you know planting his feet and and swinging hard and that's exactly what he did he went in there he'd either go out winning or he'd go out in his shield you know and he he took Luke Rockhold out and it was actually funny remember last week we were talking about head movement and everything and how I, I kind of made the point that there's people who fight in two ways, well, really three ways. Either you, you know, you kind of keep your hands up, you tuck your chin, or you move your head an awful lot. Or there's this new thing, which kind of the I, I said about Garbrandt and kind of McGregor as well. You get out of range, so your head is safe out of range. Luke Rockall did none of them. He jabbed and he just let his head up in the air. And in fact, he, just before Bisping hit him, he kind of put his head forward a bit. He was so cocky. He was just. You know, he wasn't protecting himself at all. He was just had no respect for Bisping, and Bisping caught him with the shot came in behind the shoulder he couldn't see and those are always the worst you know you see knockouts like that the one that always sticks out to me is Wanderby Thompson against Dan shocker Sh- no but like but it's the most 
you know, it, it's the most kind of the one you can see the best because it comes from totally behind his shoulder because it's a kick. But it happens with punches an awful lot as well. And it just clocked him. And as you said there, you made, you made the point as well. He hit him at one before that, about 30, maybe 30, 45 seconds before that. And he hit him and it's like, oh, fucking hell, I jumped off of my seat. I thought like, Rockall was going to go down, but Rockall took it unbelievably well, like he's a chin on him. But I definitely think that affected him as well. And when he hit him with that one, he put him down, hit him with another one. Like Rockall still didn't go down. You know, he got up, he got up and he kind of twisted around to the cage. Basically, hit him with another lovely, big, huge left and finished him with two against the cage. Like, whew. Just unbelievable, I you know, I, I spoke I spoke about after the Holly Holm fight, and you know I said I wasn't shocked after. I wasn't really shocked after it. Uh, there's some fights that you know, the, the Jose Aldo Conor McGregor fight. You'd be shocked because it happened so quick. Like I was kind of expecting you know McGregor. I picked McGregor to knock him out and stuff. But this fight, I just had no expectation. Like I had you know Chris Weidman against Anderson Silva the first one was the only one that comes close to it for me I you know I just myself and Patrick were watching it at like half six in the morning and just started oh my god roaring I couldn't believe it I jumped up off my fucking seat I just couldn't believe it like I didn't see it coming at all it was just um, unbelievable what you know what a fucking win unbelievable what happens now Michael Uh, Visving like I saw a brilliant tweet from someone the other day saying Remember, I think his uh, Twitter username is PDLMMA. It was, yeah. remember when the title changed at light heavyweight multiple times with every fight, like from uh, Rashad to Forrest um, to, who was it? Was it Shogun? Or, Machi- or Machida, yeah, to Machida, Shogun, Machida yeah. Shogun. And then and John with, Jones. Yeah. And Machida, now look at the Shogun. I'm back to Shogun again. And now look, look at the division. Yeah. You know what I mean? This is what's about to happen to middleweights. It's a division that's about to become old very quickly. And these are the days that we're going to appreciate it because Michael Bisping, like, who is going to be that next challenger? Is Chris Weidman rubbing his hands together now completely? Does Dan Henderson somehow become the UFC middleweight champion at 48 or whatever? I'm only joking. Uh, That was a Neil Seary type joke that we like to make about the fighter's age. Is he? Yeah, he's like 46 or 7. 40, oh, uh, I, okay. <laughs> I was close enough anyway. You were close, yeah. Um, like, there must be a queue of middleweights that think that to be able to beat Bisbing now. 45. But this is... Excellent, thank you very much. This is a, this is the sort of situation that, like, Jacare, I think, would beat Michael Bisbing. Yeah. I think there's... Uh, I think Chris I can, Weidman... I can't, see Bisping, I can't see Bisping winning his next title fight. You think he won't defend it? No, no. Who, who's he going to be, you know, if they give him Dan Henderson, I think he'd probably beat Dan Henderson, but like, he's not going to beat Rockhold again, he's not going to beat Weidman, he's not going to beat Jacare. those are the three, like, I don't think he's going to beat any of them, to be honest. I have to admit that I am absolutely delighted that this has happened though. Me too, it's brilliant. Because, yeah. first of all, aside from the fact that Michael Bisbing's rubber guard from UFC Undisputed, the original game was legendary. Many fights were won with Michael Bisping pulling rubber guard into a butterfly sweep into mount. Um, but as we spoke about him getting the title shot, maybe about it being the most justified title shot for a guy who's been fighting in the UFC for a long time, Michael Bisping had a great quote in particular himself about now when he looks his wife in the eye and realizes that when the quit 
job like quit work and had to like sleep in a car and stuff like that that it's now all worth it because he's become a world champion and even just for Michael Bisbing to have this moment to be able to tell his kids who you can see he's very 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 close to um from all of the like the content that was coming up during the week and Sean a point that I was devastated I didn't get to make on the podcast last week because I only got to uh, notice it from watching the embedded throughout the week I was thinking, if the unthinkable happens, the reason that I was so heavily picking Dominic Cruz and Luke Rockhold at the weekend was because on the embedded episodes, both Faber and Bisbing spent almost the entire time on camera talking about the other person, whereas Cruz and Rockhold were talking about themselves and improving themselves as martial artists or fighters. Do you know that sort of way? It seems like these guys are too obsessed about their opponent that it's just going to overwhelm them and it's going to be far too much for them. Michael Bisbing came out and for him, like, we were joking about this in the gym, like, what's next for Michael Bisbing? Someone said, retire. Like, that is the, ul- out, yeah. that is the ultimate way to go out right now. Do you know what I mean? And for, like, fighters don't think like that, obviously, but I just felt that this was a feel-good mixed martial arts moment for the person involved. A lot of people saying maybe Luke Rockhold is a bit of an uh, arrogance about him, a bit of cockiness about him. To be honest, I think he's... I think he's a very, very, very marketable champion. He could have been for the UFC, and unfortunately, he will want that rematch back straight away. Luke Rockhold's the type of guy that if Greece needed to be recast in 2016, he's the only human being alive that would play a... Uh, oh my God, tell what's his more, name? Tell me more, Danny, Johnny, is it? Is it? Danny? Johnny? I don't know. No, I thought it was Danny. Whoever. No the idea. main guy in Greece. John Travolta <laughs> in Greece. That's Luke Rockhold's second calling in life. Yeah. I agree. Like I'm happy for the UK MMA media who've been covering the, the thing for a long time as well. You know, Bisping, uh, you know, and for the UK fans and stuff. You know, there's a lot of good fans over in UK. Actually, we gave him a little bit of shit there. Well, no, we didn't give him shit. But it was just like talking about how, we, and we were, you know, we were, we were called out there for by a few different people for saying it's very much cage fighting and not MMA. But there's, I think we made it gone a little bit too far. You know, there's lots of MMA, MMA. F- fans over there and it's not cage fighting you know it's they're, they're actual real honest MMA fans and you know it's nice for them as well I think you know I never thought Bisping would get there you know and it's just you know we put in so much you know for me as a, especially like I do a lot of analysis and, stu- and stuff but you know <laughs> MMA is just so brilliant because no no matter how much analysis you do it can just be just thrown out the window like, yeah but one shot analysis, yeah all the analysis in the world you couldn't have picked Bisping to win on Saturday like any of you did you were just you know it was potluck more than anything but yeah well uh, I was leaning towards Michael Bisping I have you to admit you are fuck no uh, I'll send you the screenshots friend of the podcast Jim Shavlin texted me on Saturday night and he said mark my words Michael Bisping is going to win this fight just listening to him, he was a breath of fresh air the entire week, Sean. You know me, positive mental, uh, positive thinking, you know, seeing is believing, follow your dreams, achieve your goals, the usual good cliches. Michael Bisbee was all of that bullshit. I was eating it up, do you know what I mean? I was like, yeah. oh, he's going to do it. Like, he wouldn't be saying this shit if it wasn't going to happen, lads. Do you know what I mean? Like, this is, this is serious <laughs> business here. Like, this is top level witchcraft on, on display here. Michael Bisbang's the goat. <laughs> sure, I suppose we'll get to the we'll dis- discuss a little bit of the the rest of the card. Uh, we might as well talk about the co-main event uh, as well. Um, just as you mentioned, as you mentioned, as you mentioned, uh, in, in sorry, there, yawning. Dominic Cruz. 
Yeah, you, you weren't a big fan of his uh, embedded oh. appearances last week, Sean. No. Like, Wait, will we tell the story about the WhatsApp group? Well, hi, what Podcast what topics only. Oh, yes. <laughs> so, in his infinite wisdom, ladies and gentlemen, Sean Sheehan, who, by the way, we're now back to 70 episodes late for an episode and one for Andrew McGann, because yes. I was incredibly late this evening. Um, so, Sean created a WhatsApp group called Podcast Topics, and... I started sending messages in it, talking to the lads. Graham, in Graham fashion, yeah, immediately. Like Graham then said something along the lines of, can you not read? This is for podcast topics. Left the group and then kept telling me to like keep all the chat to another group. Left the group himself, then made a new WhatsApp group called Podcast Topics Only and invited me and Sean into it. What a great lad. Yeah, but <laughs> go on. Uh, embedded. Who's on embedded? He just like Dominic Cruz always came off to me as this, you know, this kind of in tune kind of guy. You know, he came off as kind of a you know a Brian Stan maybe. You know, he's like a a normal life, and you know, he's just normal guy. But he's very you know really intelligent, kind of looks into things on. But on embedded, and it's really the first time he's kind of been on one like this. He's probably been on a couple before, but he just looks like a bit of a, a bit of a weirdo. Like he just gone around. Which I thought was very ignorant, picking people's flowers. Like people planted those flowers on, and Dominic Cruz just picking them up and fucking tearing their flowers out of the ground and bringing them home. I don't know, he's just really weird going around with his dog and just, you know, staying at the gym. His dog's and, lovely. Like, watching children and stuff. He's a nice dog, all right, but yeah. I don't know, he just came off. He came off as a bit of a, a loner and stuff. And it wasn't just me, like a friend of mine, he works as kind of, um, I don't know exactly what, a social worker or some kind of that sort of a thing. And he, he was like, Texting me, he's like, geez, I never realized Dominic Cruz is like, you know, he's kind of a bit socially, you know, he wasn't socially all there. Like, he's, you know, he said it's obviously the, you know, a thing that he's kind of all he knows is fighting and he's kind of, that's, you know, that's all he kind of does. He's one of those guys, but it shows, you know, it shows that all he, you know, that all he, all his time is put into fighting and stuff. Incredible again in, inside the octagon. Although when I say incredible, I thought he looked. I thought he clearly looked injured at the start of the fight. He was hobbling around, even in embedded as well. He was hobbling around and looked worse in the fight. It looked like his left leg was just in absolute bits. He was kind of hobbling around for the first two his rounds. Left ankle, maybe if I remember, he had uh, an yeah, ankle strap on. As strap well. on yeah, but uh, he kind of loosened out then, and his movement got a lot better. But if you look for the first kind of round and a half, two rounds, he it was very much in and out kind of movement. You know, we know with Dominic Cruz, it's a lot of it has sideways movement and stuff. But you saw at the very start. Um, maybe 30 seconds in he went for a takedown <laughs> no uh, it was down. it was less and that's yeah. that's literally the first point of the fight that I was going to make was how um, how you kind of within the first 40 seconds kind of knew exactly how the fight was going to like it was, oh, it's, oh we're doing this now do you know that sort of thing it's like just Faber who is the grappler coming out he tried to throw the strike Cruz was like having none of that took him down and then uh, I was like oh no Favor just look, and I mentioned it last week as well. And he's he's looked at in his old fights, but he just or his last couple of fights, he looks so old. You know? I disagree. It de- oh. was definitely if your eye favor sticks so to three slow. round fights, I still think we could have some good fights from in the UFC. Oh yeah, he, he had some outstanding scrambles Cruz. with Cruz from a wrestling point of view in the first round alone. Do you know what I mean? There was like him getting straight back up against uh, him getting back up after Cruz was going to pass his guard as well and just start wrestling bringing the wrestling up to against the cage just a very entertaining fight for Uriah Faber but unfortunately like just wasn't like when I say very entertaining I'm saying like maybe 
God, we're using this expression every week, flashes of brilliance at different points in different rounds. But then a couple of seconds later, Dominic Cruz, Dominic Cruz has just done a magnificent shoulder roll and dropped you in the second round with a lovely shot. Look, okay, Cruz is wrestling and his ground is still good. Like, as you said, it was some good. Cruz definitely yeah. loves hip-hop as well, by the way. You can tell by the way he moves in the octagon. He's he's rapping in his head, like, when he's moving like that. That's flow, like. Yeah. But when I say Faber looked old and he looked slow, as look, go back and look at the last fight and look at this one, the last fight they had. He, what he did, in, and I said it last week as well, and he tried to do it in this fight as well, but he just couldn't. You have to get Cruz... He t- you look at Cruz every time he attacks. He takes like these little three or four steps and then he comes in and he attacks. And then he gets out and he starts over and does it again. What Faber was doing was <clears throat> he was attacking those three or four steps before he did anything. And he was getting in and he was attacking him. And then if he couldn't do that, he was attacking him on the way out after he had done all his different in and out movements. And he was trying to time him. And he timed him a couple of times. He hurt him at one stage in that first fight. But last weekend he couldn't do it. He didn't, you know. I think he landed one once in the fourth round when Fair, when uh, Cruz was getting out. One shot, one shot of note in the whole fight. I just, you know, I've I don't know has there ever been as big a beatdown kind of tactically in a fight ever as I saw that one over five rounds in the championship fight. Okay, guys have been beaten, you know, like Glover Teixeira and all, but even that Glover Teixeira John Jones fight, I think this was worse. Ricardo Ramos. Yeah, I I don't know. This this is just a absolute beatdown. He with, with guys who used to be kind of level. It was just, you know, it was just Dominic Cruz just ate him up and not and non, you know a Dominic Cruz that didn't look fit to me. Dominic Cruz that looked off, and um, it's gonna be, you know, it's gonna be tough for Cruz. I think if Dillashaw fought again. The way Dominic Cruz looked at the weekend, and you know, if he's if his health is getting progressively worse and worse, which you know it looks like it could be doing that, I think Dillashaw beat him if, if they rematched again. To be honest, Dominic Cruz is you know he's phenomenal and everything, but he just looked off in that first round. And if he does that, you know, against someone like Dillashaw, I think he could lose. One final thing of no, well, I don't want to say one final thing of no, maybe of something else, but for me anyway, end of the third round. Dominic Cruz, I think, just hates Team Alpha Male. I thought he looked visibly tired. He was just trying to show who the Alpha Male in this fight was. He took a massive breath at the end of the round, and then they got into a bit of a shoving contest before they went to their corners. Oh, yeah. Dominic Cruz hit, just brushed past with a wee shoulder into your eye, Faber. Faber reacted. Whether it's mental warfare or not, I think Cruz is on several... Uh, he's on, he has several advantages over, over Faber and has developed them more in the last couple of years. But... I don't know. There was something like you were saying. It seems like he is just... I, I don't think that he's done anyway in the slightest. I just think that the style of fight that he fights, the way that he fights, that he was relying on years upon years upon years of active fighting and constant training to get himself and build himself up to the monster that he was before he got injured. Now coupled with the fact that he's had very bad injuries, a very inconsistent in the last couple of years in terms of his fighting career, and now he's finding it hard maybe to get back into the game, which has evolved so much in the space that he's been out. So he's having to adapt and improve his game and adjust it and make it better to the current style of mixed martial arts. And I I'm not I just think that maybe you're right in saying that Dominic Cruz is on a little bit of I do I want to say even borrowed time? Do you know what I mean? Like if he comes up against TJ, as you said there, if he comes up against a fired up Cody Garvin who just saw his mentor lose lose to him in the way that he did and acted so arrogantly and disrespectful towards him, 
Do you know what I mean? It's not beyond the realm of possibility, but more often than, or more likely than not, I see Dominic Cruz using every one of these fights as a as a momentum builder, and we're going to see him come back and still decimate that division for a while. Yeah, well, like whatever, whoever he fights, it's going to be you know it's going to be a tough night for them, definitely. But hopefully, you know, hopefully his health can stay with him. He just didn't, you know, he just didn't look healthy, but. Hopefully he can get it back. Hopefully it's improving all the time, but it doesn't look that way. But hopefully, as I say. But speaking um, of looking healthy, before you go on to your next fight, yeah. how much better is it to see fighters weighing in on a scales the day before when they actually look healthy and Brilliant, don't look like they're about to fall over? I wonder if that helped the card. Like it was such a great card. Even you know the fights that win the decisions were really good. You know the wins were weird. They need what they need to do is they need to bring the people out. Don't make them win, but just have them stand and pose for photos. But as they're walking out, cut to a clip of them earlier in the day and have, you know, uh, John Annick voicing over saying, earlier in the day, Cole Miller weighed in and he made the 145 pound limit and like show him in a room with like the, the towel around him or whatever, yeah. weighing in. And then cut back to Cole Miller and he's standing there and he does his, you know, he takes off his top and he does his... Uh, he, you know, he puts up his muscles, or whatever, and then they face off. Do that, you know. That's more real. I think that's what they need to do. But yeah, that's good. I think Nevada. I think everyone needs to bring that in immediately. You know, there was um, there was a couple of uh, MJC flipped the script on Twitter saying it was there was fifteen knockdowns. I think there was a lot of strikes landed, like fairly high up on um, on the on the list of strikes landed in a total event. Ever, I think, yeah. Yeah. So th- who knows. I would attribute it down to the way cutting already. I know it's a much smaller sample size, but these guys were fitter, they were healthier, they were able to win and start rehydrating a lot earlier than usual. So two thumbs up from me. Yeah, we've a lot of questions about these, and we'll, we'll get to most fights earlier on. But just a couple of quick words on them. You know, Max Holloway. There isn't much to say about him. Look, look very good again. Your boy Max, and he's, you know, he, I think he deserves a title shot at um, this stage. Still in Hawaii, though, probably not in Hawaii, but I'm still not 100 percent sold on him as a title winner. But I think I'd love to see him fight Jose Aldo. You know, I'd love to see that fight. Um, if, if Aldo win, wins a title, especially like does, you know, you know McGregor now, you know where he's going to be. But there's probably enough time to have another, you know, for Jose Aldo or Conor McGregor, or uh, what's his name, Frank Edgar to defend his title before they fight Conor McGregor. So Max Holloway would probably be a good one to have there. Um, that Anderson big KO of Hector Lombard, and he kind of half retired. Afterwards, we, we might I speak hope about, he does. Yeah, yeah, we might speak more about that interesting next week. We'd like to get to this week, but that'll be a good topic to bring up next week. Parry again looked very good, um, beating Bobby Green. Uh, Brian Ortega came very lucky against Clay Guida. It was a good finish in the end, but he was 20 seconds away from losing that fight. And Brian Ortega's next fight, I'd be looking at that and betting against him if he's fighting anyone very good because he's a good record, but his last couple of fights he hasn't impressed that much. Benil Dariush, brilliant, brilliant performance. I've waxed lyrical about Benil Dariush on this podcast before. Unbelievable. Uh, and there was you know a couple more there. Tom Breeze was a bit disappointing. Um, I thought he actually won the fight, but it was another one of those fights where he, which he tends to do a little bit he couldn't pull the trigger and and you know it kind of worked against him but I still thought he won uh, pity he lost the decision you know Tom Breeze another good guy from England coming up and it, the best fight of the night oh. Marco Polo Reyes against Dong Hyun Kim first absolute of all, banger best name in the world Marco Polo Reyes yeah I obviously a friend and close training partner of John Delos Reyes no I'm only joking I'm making a trying yeah, to make yeah. a, a silly oh, joke that wasn't funny I, no okay never mind Um <laughs> Where do we start? The first, like, if I'm taking anything away from this fight, is that it cut, okay, aside from the referee, 
Okay, at, at first I thought, this guy is a joke. Who who let this guy into the cage? That mustache is ridiculous. And then we saw the tight grip of the fight he had by the balls. Like, your man, he just had him over in the corner, started speaking the, the Spanish to him. Um, no hassle. Both languages. Cop yourself together, son. Let's get this fight back on. Was very like I feel like I'm quoting an episode of Father Ted here, Father Todd Unctious saying about how someone has great alter control in the mass episode. Do you know that one? Yeah. You know, oh, Fa- great. Con- Father, really chilly, Father. <laughs> oh, he controls Father, the altar very well. Yeah. No, I, I don't mean that. But a plus to the referee because we're very quick to be able to criticize referees at the moment. However, the, some of the shots in the first round were absolutely. Magnificent. Kim's left hooks are one of my new favorite mixed martial arts strikes. And it's just like looking at the difference between a world-class UFC fighter and a good UFC fighter. It was a matter of inches. Okay, like I'm not saying that Reyes is unfinishable and he does like... But the fight could have been stopped if Kim's left hooks just landed little... Like a couple of inches to the left, couple of inches to the right. They were, they were clipping. Do you know what I mean? And just every single thing about the fight, the strike volume, uh, two guys leaving it all in there. To be honest, I think the cage saved Kim from losing the fight at one stage because he was able to be kept upright by being punched into oblivion against it so many times. Um, And I can't remember the finish. What was it? Yeah, it was uh, the third round. He finished him with punches in the end, but he kind of he almost finished. Kim almost finished uh, Reyes, and then he kind of came back and. It's a fight that should have happened in the UFC Dublin. On real fight, yeah, rematch. I said, make a rematch. But uh, yeah, I suppose the biggest news on the night though is our next topic, which is Brock Lesnar being announced back we discussed it obviously earlier on the whole Ariel thing but let's talk about the actual signing itself and, and the matchup he came on um, a sports center ESPN sports center today and announced that he will be fighting Mark Hunt da, da, da. which is a bit insane it's one of my dream matchups and it has been two absolute behemoths standing opposite each other it's going to be unbelievable but initial my initial first thoughts on, on Brock coming back are as I said there at the start, it was just incredulity. It's just, I can't believe this is happening, but now that it is, I'm I'm delighted. I, you know, I think for Rob Ryan mentioned it, every Brock Lesnar fight is exciting, and he, you know, he's maybe the Heat Herring fight was the only one, but all the other ones, even that was a good fight. He nearly knocked, you know, he broke Heat Herring's face, retired him in that fight. But you know, all these other fights are all really good, exciting fights. You know, barn burners from the very start. He gets badly beaten or he badly beats someone and I think that's going to happen again in this one but you know there's he said on Sports Center that it was three months ago that they were talking about deciding it so I think it's four months you need for USADA a lot of people were talking about it, that as well I saw some people saying six months actually and some people saying four months I, I thought, read so four months before yeah so I think it's four months so we'll, we'll try to get that cleared up but I think I think that was it so he's, he should be okay for, for USADA because they've been talking about it for a long time and you don't need to say it in public you only need to say it in quiet to USADA so uh, that's how he can do it Paul yeah, Heyman interviewed Brock Lesnar did you see that? It's on yeah, severe. So, so, yeah. Have That's to watch that. Yeah, yeah, but apparently he's been in training camp um, for it. You know, it's a huge, it's a huge spectacle. You know, Brock. If he loses, we'll probably never see him again. If he wins, we probably will see him again. You know, but 
I'm, I'm delighted to have him back. There was something special, you know. We spoke. There was something special missing from UFC 200. It was, it was missing, and now we have it. You know, it's there. It's going to be a great card. I uh, can't wait for it. But uh, what the do you UFC about, uh, have played. See, you made a point earlier on while talking about Ariel that the UFC do a lot of things very well. Yeah, this is one of them. Brilliant. Yeah. This is first of all from the matchup, which isn't a joke, which isn't a piss take, which isn't a. Yeah. Uh, Tito Ortiz versus Heist Gracie which is what he's heavily campaigning for at the moment this is a very competitive fight and well I don't even even want to say I don't mean competitive I mean that this is just this is the UFC's reaction perhaps to Connor falling off UFC 200 as well the early sort of uh, like if they have been talking to Brock fair enough but to push this through to get it done is the most important thing. Like the, the fact that this is happening is big in itself. Looking at the at who he's fighting in terms of Mark Hunt, you could say that the UFC are just like, look, if he loses, that's fine. We are going to smash our pay-per-view record, hopefully here at UFC 200, and Brock Lesnar is going to be the one to do it. And if he wins, all well and good. We can get him to fight again. I don't think that they're doing it. Um, I just think that it's a good, good, uh, I don't want to say good, a great addition to UFC 200. Where does it go? Is it officially the co-main event, though? It's a co-main event, yeah. So you're going to have Jose Aldo against Frank Edgar. You're going to have Mark Hunt against Brock Lesnar. And you're going to have Daniel Cormier against John Jones in a row. Unreal. The <laughs> and card in it's, as well. Yeah, and the cards, on the fights underneath it until that point as well. In terms of my opinion on the return, okay, Brock, like, the rumours were intensified that he was going to be coming back anyway a while, a while ago. Especially uh, put out there by some weirdo journalist who mm. um, just, you know, I put stuff out there for, for no reason. Seems like there may have been no smoke without a fire on that one. Um, where I want to talk to you about it, Sean, a tiny little bit, is that the UFC are obviously going to be co-promoting with the WWE. Aside from the fact that this means that we're probably going to see Ronda Rousey on Raw again within the next six to eight months... Does this mean that the UFC have now changed their stance on co-promotion? And when am I going to book my flights for Conor McGregor versus Floyd Mayweather? That was actually one of my first thoughts as well. Was, That's why fairness, we're so good for each other. Yeah, in fairness to the UFC and Dana White, Dana White did say that he said this fight is easy. We can make this fight happen. Just give me a call. So you know, he's always said. You know, he's always said if Floyd wants to fight in the UFC or if he wants to fight Conor McGregor, that just give him a call and, and they can make it happen. So, you know, it's always been, um, you know, it's always been possible, but it's just very, very unlikely. Uh, and it's it's not really a call promotion either. It's, you know, it's a guy coming over. But I thought you were actually going to say Fedor there is all the way you were wording it. When are going to crop him out with, uh, with M1 and get Fedor, Fedor fighting in the UFC? Fedor is already fighting on, on fight, fight Pass, pass yeah, June so. 17th. Grand against Fabio Maldonado, oh, unreal, outstanding. <laughs> who who said he's, who explicitly said he's going to take drugs for the fight because they're allowed, which is you have to respect. But uh, yeah, look, this fight against Marco from I suppose from a, a technical point of view, you would say okay. You know, there's a lot of people probably actually listen to this who've never seen Brock Lesnar fight because it's five years, you know, and there's a lot of new Irish MMA fans. So Brock Lesnar is a guy who always struggled on the feet, struggled when he was punched in the face or kicked in the body, but was an unbelievable wrestler, you know, literally run across you. He's, you know, if you've only seen him in the, in the, um, in the um, 
WWE, he, you know, he's the same sort of thing. He's a big, tough bastard. Like, he'll, you know, he'll run across, he'll take you down, put you on your back, and just litter you with fucking fists until you know, until you stop working, basically. Um, and that's what he's going to try to do to Mark Hunt. He's going to try to take him down. But I think it's a terrible, terrible matchup for Brock Lesnar because Mark Hunt has improved so much uh, with his takedown defense over the last few years, like unbelievably. So. Um, and even when he is put down, he's very, very hard to hold down. But if anyone can do it, it's probably Brock Lesnar. You know, he's a legitimate wrestler. If you if you don't know about him, he was a, a Division One All American Heavyweight Wrestling Champion, real wrestling. You know, NCAA wrestling. Um, yeah, wrestling. And and he, you know, he has legitimate. You know, he's beaten Randy Couture, one of the best ever. Beaten Frank Mir. You know, beaten a, who else? Beaten a, a few more guys um, along the way as well. Shane Garwin, one of the greatest fights the UFC has ever seen. Um, so you know, which- he can do it. But I think Mark Hunt, she's hugely favoured here. I think I think John Anik said they were almost even money when the betting comes out. No, Lesnar is the underdog. Or, Les- or no, Lesnar's the favourite, is he? No, Lesnar's the six to four underdog. Or oh, is he? But yeah, but they're relatively close. That I think is. Uh, that's remarkable your house bet on fucking um, bet on on Brock Lesnar yeah I'm looking here Brock Lesnar Mark Hunt is minus 195 which is almost 2 to 1 on that's an unbelievable price of Mark Hunt I think uh, I think Hunt will probably knock him out and probably knock him out early to be honest Lesnar could never take a shot like and that's always been a problem when you're meeting literally the hardest hitter in the world in MMA that's going to be a little bit of a problem I just can't wait it's, yeah, it's going to be so good it's it's this is the exact sort of like I'm saying this with a smile on my face, Sean, because I can't believe I will witness it. Like you know, I'll hopefully we'll like I'll get to see that. Like Brock Lesnar coming back to the UFC first and foremost. I've spoken about this several times. Massive, massive, massive childhood WWF WWE fan. Do you know what I mean? I transitioned over. Brock Lesnar was the face of the of the WWF or the WWE um, around the time that I started losing interest in it. Do you know what I mean? Uh, oh, what am I thinking of here? PlayStation 2, Smackdown, here comes the pain. Climbing to the top of the Smackdown fist with Brock Lesnar and doing a shooting star press off the top of it onto someone down below. Hard bastard, isn't he? Don't start. Don't Breaking even start. It's Irish whipping people into the Titantron. Of course I was always at that. Like This, Shane like, Mac. this is, uh, is going to be an absolutely brilliant thing for mixed martial arts front row brian had on twitter earlier on that this could be more than one fight if you think about it because if brock beats mark hunt you're giving him a title shot do you know what i mean if he oh, yeah like a hundred percent brock lesnar will f- and also shout outs to the funniest retweeted thing that i saw today from grabaka hitman an old tweet from the 20th of may fighter added bro uh, from the ufc fighter database thing Brock Lesnar heavyweight was added. And they added he ma- it again today, yeah. What? They added it again today? No, no, no. He was added on the 20th of May, but yeah. Grabaka Hitman, his tweet from the 20th of May got retweeted onto my timeline today, and it was something like, oh, there's your UFC 200 main event. But oh, he yeah, obviously yeah. was saying it as a, as a piss thing, as a tongue-in-cheek thing. Then everyone lost their minds with Shane Carwin being added back to that as well today, thinking that Carwin versus Brock 2 is what we could have been looking at, but... Either way, this is a, it's a brilliant fight. And fair play to the UFC for actually pulling it off, for getting it together. Just please give us Paul Heyman. Give us as much Paul Heyman as possible. 
I put, agree. put Paul Heyman in all the shows with Brock Lesnar, like. Yeah, definitely have him do his, his, you know, his interviews. Hopefully, Ari will be there to the post fight interview. Have, have Paul Heyman stand there talking, and you know, in his place. That imagine that that'd be fucking unbelievable. That'd be unbelievable. Sean, I, I don't as, want to see that. as you know, okay, yes. it's just come into my head here. Yeah. What was the greatest moment for me at, for UFC one uh, one nine six? That was the Aldo McGregor card, is it? No, Diaz McGregor card. Diaz McGregor. Aside from aside from the fact of saying shit on BBC Radio Five Live, oh yeah, meeting uh, Crone Gracie, oh yes. So what is gonna happen to me if I meet Paul Heyman? <sighs> I don't know. <sighs> Himself and Bother are besties as well, so you yeah, they are. Yeah, yeah. Although Bother won't be there, I don't think. Well, definitely not after I what he's done the last couple of days. Of yeah. <laughs> You no wonder he's glad he got out of that. Like, <laughs> if if you don't follow Jeremy Butter, we're big fans of Jeremy Butter here on the Severe MMA oh, podcast. Him, he's Go on to his Twitter page and and listen to the interview he did with Submission Radio, Radio who are an absolutely outstanding mixed martial arts channel from Australia. Second best in the world to Severe. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, like really, 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 really good stuff coming out of those guys. Jeremy Butter, I haven't listened to it yet. Flat out because of the bank holiday of the weekend. But he went to town. Do you know what I mean? And this is uh, this is the words of a man who's been frustrated from covering the sport for so long, who's now in a position that knows that he never has to go cover one of these events again, unless he really wants to. And he just let it all out. Yeah, fair play to him. Fair fucks to him. Uh, anyway, what else? Right, the next thing before we get on. You know Let's let's mix this up a little bit. Um, we removed our last topic. We were going to talk about um, Muhammad Ali for a little bit. He, obviously, he died this week. One, you know, the one of the greatest uh, combat sports athletes of all time. Um, you know, it, it was obviously it was a sad moment when he died, but I think it was probably a relief to him, you know, and all his family as well that he's you know he's been suffering for a long time, and I suppose. Uh, obviously we're you know we're very young we never saw him in his primer or, or anything like that but I'm sure you've done I've gone back and watched like all these fights on on YouTube and stuff especially this week and things and you know he was just he was one of those guys that was you'd be wrong with that one Sean you know yeah, I have you here you're one of those but no I, ha- I haven't yeah he, you know did people talk about athletes and you know I kind of hinted at it earlier with Luke Rockhold and stuff these just supreme athletes like yeah, for a heavyweight he was you know he was so fast his movement was just unbelievable and you know that was inside the ring and what he did outside the ring was even more so you know I don't particularly think he was the greatest boxer of all time but he was the most probably the most famous sportsman of all time and what he did for you know would we be here today sitting here doing this without Muhammad Ali maybe not you know would boxing have been brought forward the way it was and you know, have the platform for guys like Mike Tyson to come on and, you know, Steve Collins and Ricky Hatton and up to fly Mayweather and Gennady Golovkin like that. Would that have been, would that have happened? And, you know, without boxing, there's probably no mixed martial, you know, no mixed martial arts because, you know, all the, we, you know, Dana White came from boxing and stuff and well, I know he didn't start it off, but, you know, it kind of start. It started as kind of an alternative. It well, not started, but developed as kind of an alternative to boxing and stuff. And, you know, they're very obviously they're very closely linked in the way they they run and the way you know events are promoted and stuff. So, you know, Muhammad Ali's an inspiration for you know a lot of people. 
uh, a lot of MMA fighters and stuff. And uh, you know, it, it's a tragic week for you know the the one they call the greatest to have to have passed on. I was gonna segue into a question, but I know you want to wait until next week to talk about that. It seems a little bit fitting that a lot of the talk this week around the introduction of the Ali Act to mixed martial arts. Oh yeah. Yeah, we, yeah, we were actually asked about that. Yeah, we'll that's was Darren uh, McGinn's question. Yeah, I'll touch on it a little bit. Um, the, <laughs> the Ali Act is basically they want to make they want to have better conditions for MMA fighters. The, the, the Ali Act is a thing in boxing to have where um, I, I'm not sure of the exact details in boxing, but I was reading up about it during the week about an MMA, and you know whatever you know is kind of half gone out of my head. But I'll try to remember it the best I can. It's they want to introduce uh, a thing where all the fighters will be able to see the financial records from the events so as they know what kind of, you know, what percentage of the actual, uh, you know, the revenue and the, the profit and stuff they're getting. Uh, you know, there's other things like that, like that will safeguard them against, you know, getting used and stuff. They'll actually be more like independent contractors that, you know, so that they can move on if they're, you know, if they're not offered fights or whatever, maybe quicker and things like that. You know, a lot of it, you know, it's still in the works. It's, it's, it's not. I don't think it's very close to introduction yet. But you know, if it does, you know, it has to pass all these kind of synods and the American system and things. But I'm all for it. You know, it's it's going to be a really good thing. I think Luke Thomas spoke to John McCain uh, about it. Who was you know was a famous, uh, famously against MMA back in the day. But now he's kind of turned into kind of an advocate for the safety of it and everything. And he you know he likes MMA and all things, and he's kind of behind it. So hopefully to bring it in and you know. We speak about uh, you know the fighters having a union and stuff. This is a good step towards that, and even if it's not a step towards it, it's a step towards better conditions for fighters. And you know they really deserve that. They put an awful lot of work and effort, and you know bits of the literally parts of themselves into this, and uh, they, you know they deserve to at least have a little bit better conditions than what they have at the moment. Maybe yeah, so. it's the start of something as well, similar from a journalist point of view, Sean. <laughs> I was thinking about that actually, and. I think something's going to happen. Jeremy Bader was teasing it on Twitter as well. Yeah. I think there is going to be something happening in the next while. Yeah, but for an actual union, I'm not sure if there's enough MMA writers out there to actually have a union and doing it full-time and all, but I'm sure we could band together and definitely do something, but maybe go in with the boxers even or whatever like that. But, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of people hate each other as well in, in this game, and it's weird, to be honest. But maybe if something like that happened, it would change. But, yeah, hopefully we need something like that. But our last topic, okay, before we get on to the questions, is... um. Another announcement that was on is Conor McGregor versus Nate Diaz. And, you know, we, we'll just hit on this um, briefly because we'll be talking about it a lot as, you know, the event comes up, obviously. We're an Irish side and stuff, so we'll be obviously covering McGregor a lot. But I'm my initial thoughts, and I'll get yours as well, as well just I'm glad it's, you know, it's made. And we can stop talking about Flyweight or Mayweather, and we can stop talking about money, we can stop talking about all this bullshit and just get and let him fight again and let us, you know... Okay, the last one ended in a, in a way that was a good ending. Like you know, um, Nate Diaz won fair and square. It was it was a fine finish, but obviously they all came out again. Nate Diaz wants this fight again because it's going to earn him a lot of money. McGregor wants it again because the money and he wants to get the win. You know, he wants to you know he wants to get a win against Nate Diaz because Nate Diaz beat him and the UFC obviously wants as well because the, the, they want them to make their money but I'm just you know I'm glad it's happening we can just get a resolution to all this and 
kind of get it over and done with at this stage because I'm kind of getting it by God. I was getting a little bit sick of it there for a long time. Well, inadvertently, the the extra promotion for the fight while it wasn't happening, I think it's going to, like, if UFC 200 breaks any sort of records, um, there's a good chance UFC 202 just goes and breaks it straight away. And how much, like, for the way that I'm looking at it is, right, you know me, ultimate conspiracy terrorist man. Yeah. The UFC would love nothing more than to take a record away from Conor for UFC 200. And Conor's going to go all out to try and get it back himself for 202. I think it's going to be a very watched pay-per-view. And it's going to be a Conor McGregor show. It's just... And then the only thing I'm thinking of is maybe he won't. Maybe he won't go into media overdrive because he wants to be training so much for this fight. And I just think his star and drawing power in itself is going to be something that we're really going to be captivated by. Especially something so quick after UFC 200. I do think that Conor's... uh, I, like you said, I'm glad just for the fight to be matched. Then again, we were treated to a very, very active Conor McGregor coming off the Holloway injury before this defeat, Sean, when you think about it. Because yeah, was like, he, he yeah. fought very, very rare. He fought three times in 2014. Am I right in that? No. Three yeah. times in 2015. He fought, anyway. he fought in Boston, no. he fought in July, and he fought in December. He fought in January, yeah, July, and December. Again. Well, oh no, sorry, not Desanios. Diaz. Um, then yeah. was going to fight in... Then fought in December. Beat Aldo in December. Then, like you were saying, was Severine. about to fight within a couple of months. Did fight within a couple of months. Was looking to fight within July. And now is just going to be back in August. You know, and there, there was a lot of people saying like, oh, he just needs to get in and fight like none of this bullshit. Think of the amount of times champions take off in between fights. Think of the amount of time other people take off in between fights. Do you know what I mean? It's just because we're so spoilt to the how often that Conor McGregor actually fought up until this point. I think people are getting a little bit annoyed over it. Yeah. Yeah, but look, should be another good uh, good scrap in here. Like, I think that was a little, like lost a little bit in the first one, you know, because there's so much, you know, the Diaz fans are very kind of brash and bold and the McGregor fans are brash and bold and they kind of met it dead but what we kind of missed was it was a great fight you know it was a, just a brilliant fight and if there's one you know fight as good as that next time we'll be I'll be happy enough with it anyway but um, I suppose we'll get on to the questions while you're pulling them up there let me just mention I have sponsors. them up already so mention the sponsors oh, I'm all anyway. on this shit yeah rosnutrition.com they're I'm going to call them Ireland's leading suppliers of um protein vitamins all that good stuff you know even though that's I'm just made it up but there probably are I'm going to say they are anyway um, you can get 25% off your first order with them by using the uh, promo code severe MMA S-E-V-E-R-E M-M-A all one word all in capitals um, on their site you know they have all that good stuff protein pre-workout um, vitamins all that good stuff uh, rosnutrition.com Andrew. Yes. Before we get to the questions. What's I've up? A little bit of breaking news. Have you? I'm on my phone here, I have these uh, these bleacher reports and notifications. And you know the notification I just got? What was it? WWE reportedly wants Paige Van Zandt, other female fighters, for you for SummerSlam. WWE ah, SummerSlam. It all makes sense now. Here we go. They went to our manager and they got no comment. 
on how the talks are going so far. But apparently there is talks. That's from uh, PW Insider, which oh, is a wrestling, Pro wrestling uh, insider. I used to use yeah. it quite a lot. Used to be notorious for pop-ups back in the day. And they, use, they also have a premium service as well. Nice. There you go. I, I, that'd be okay. But no, I watched that. Bit of, bit of Paige Banzant against Becky Lynch. Did she win uh, Dancing with the Stars yet? No, she came second. Ah, Robbed. The lad who won it was deaf. And I'm not saying anything, but he won it because it's a sympathy vote. Let's be honest. You think? You're Definitely. a horrible person. I'm a horrible bastard, but it's true. Is What's the difference let's, between let's the person that honest. voted for him because of the sympathy vote because of his ear then to the people that voted his for ear. Paige? What did I say? Yeah, because he was deaf. Or yeah. to, compared to the people who voted for Paige Van Zandt because she was a woman <laughs> with tits and an arse. I just, I just yeah, came up with the worst joke ever. fucking hypocrite. I just came, do you hear the worst joke I ever came up with ever? Please don't is give it, in about please, this. No, I know exactly what it is. It's like, did you hear the deaf fellow one dancing on the stars? Yeah, he hasn't yet though. No, oh. no I was going to say, there'd, there'd be no deaf people mad at us anyway because they wouldn't hear this. <laughs> Excellent. Bad cunt. I'm a bad bastard. I yeah, apologize. but look, I just showed my true colours by laughing so hardly to that as well. So it we're was both, funny though, in we're both that was going comedy, down. No. That wasn't sports analysis, that was a comedy. That little bit there. Sean uh, Sheehan like is also yeah. available for comedy as well, ladies and gentlemen, as I'm well as... I'm good at MMA talking. <laughs> good at MMA talking and speaking English, good. <laughs> okay, moving yeah. on to the question. Sean, it is exactly 28.30 right now. Assume we don't have to edit anything out and people are just thrown off by those times completely. If we're way um, off, well, recording. Hour and a half, is it? Yeah, we're about to come up to an hour and a half. 20 minutes or so have been dedicated to questions, okay? Just so we're wrapped up out of here, I'm not even going to let people know what time it is because it's such an ungodly hour. Um, Will Martin, MMA, we're very sorry we overlooked you last week. He knows that we're busy. He just wants, we're going to cut it down a little bit, Sean, here. Five fighters from Europe who should be in the UFC that are not already in the UFC. Number one has already been signed. Cage Warriors middleweight champion Jack Hermanson. Got, am I saying his last name right there? Hermanson? Yeah. He got signed to the UFC there. Um, Paddy Pimblett. Agreed. You agree with that? Can I Can I give one? Tom Dukenwa. Yeah. You can give one. Peter Quigley. My boy. Do you not agree? No, I do agree. I'm just saying there's three. Um, That's four. I just, I wanted you to really hit that home because you you and Peter Queeley, you have a bit of a man crush on Peter Queeley at the moment. Like, so I wanted you (laughs) to just, uh, I just wanted you to be able to strike that home emphatically. Um, uh, I like, well, I'm sorry, but so much happened and we, we did actually plan to be able to answer this question thoroughly. I'm just a good answer. We got four. We'll surely think of one more. We don't uh, have four. We have three. We have four. We Hermanson. Oh no, he's already signed. Fuck. Yeah, he doesn't yeah, count. So if if I'm going to talk about anything from that point Adam of Philpott. view, point of view, Philpot's not a bad shout, and he pu- posted something on his Facebook page the other day about some fight news that's coming. So I don't know what's happening for him uh, for him there, but hopefully it is something very very good for him. Maybe to get in and out before the ball- next Bellator event. Maybe even a good win to show that, yeah, okay, he deserves the Duke and Wall fight. Um, I have one. I have you a have one. a last one, do you? The Bear Jew. Paul Craig. 
Maybe yeah. a win against Chris Fields at the next Bama will be enough to yeah. send him through. Yeah, and if not, Carl Moore. Oh like my Carl. God, did you see the picture of Carl Moore on Facebook? No. Sean, go on to his Facebook page right now. I don't have my Bef- friends with him. No, it he doesn't matter. He has no be, idea who I am. It'll be public. He, so... Carl. I'll, I'll set the backstory since you don't know, okay? For what? those that don't know. Carl Moore, I think we spoke about it, he blew his knee out um, before Venator and was able to do nothing. Bar, lift weights five times a week, eat three and a half thousand calories a day, and he's put on 14 kilos. Can you see the picture? Yeah, I presume he's fighting at heavyweight now. No, he's still going to make light heavyweight. Fucking hell. He's 112 kg. What does that mean? He's 112 kilos. I don't know what that is, but look at the absolute sight. Like, you could land things on that man's back. Like, good, yeah. 246, no fucking way he's making light of it. And he is unbelievable at jiu-jitsu for such a big guy as well. There's no... Uh, there's no way he'll make light of it. 246 points, cut 40 pounds. Easy. No, no time to lean and lose some body fat or I'll ma- never make light of it. Okay, he's lo- losing some body fat. Jeez, he looks like that's a fit big man, like, you know. Oh, Jesus. stop. And do you know what's even worse about it? Well, Every time I meet him, he always just tries to like tickle me or touch me inappropriately. And now, <laughs> more than ever, like he's just like that guy in prison who'll do it to you whether you want to or not. Like he uh, he put put that picture up on Instagram, and someone from Team Alpha Male from when he was there made a comment to him, and his reply was just like, "Now more of me to be able to hold you and Feely down when we train." <laughs> Talking about Andre Feely. It's just like, oh my god, the the prospect of him being Carl Moore, the goat. Put it put it in your diaries mm-hmm. now. Two thousand and sixteen. Yeah. Anyway, <coughs> okay, sorry. Questions. There's the sickness that has eluded the podcast for one hour and thirty minutes so far, ladies and gentlemen. I'm not like Sean Sheehan. I don't open the podcast talking about illnesses like dinghy fever or whatever it was that he was talking about a while ago. Killed me. Anyway. Shout out to the most appreciative question that we've gotten this week. A man who registered a Twitter account to be able to send us uh, tweets is loving Twitter by all accounts. I went onto his page and he's flat out tweeting everybody that he's listened to. Greg Savage as well. Loves the podcast. Asked Sean Sheehan to discuss if Bisbing's win is bigger than Holly Holm over Rousey. Please discuss. This is from Sheehan's underscore Tato's. On Twitter, and Legend. his profile picture is it a pa- is a packet of Walker's crisps? Walker's potatoes, yeah. Um, <laughs> for me, I actually said it earlier on. Yeah, I think it is. Like, on, people say, you know, is it the bigger upset? It's an on betting terms, which upsets are, you know, are are, are coordinated. I suppose, for the lack of a better word, she isn't because she was a bigger underdog. But for me personally, as someone who covers MMA and has been doing for the last what four or five years. I think it is, you know, I kind of, uh, Holly Holm had a chance for me, you know, I, I thought I picked Randa to win, but I, you know, I thought it was, personally, I thought it was a, you know, 55, 45, you know, 50, 50 kind of fight, but a lot of people maybe thought, you know, it was like a, an 80, 20 fight that Ronda was going to win, but Holm had a chance if she landed a big head kick. This one was like a 99-1 kind of a fight, you know, Bisping had like a 1% chance of winning, and he won. 
So I just, you know, I go by kind of my reaction, how I reacted for shock. And it was the most shock I've ever I've been. I've ever been on the shockometer. Yeah. Watching a fight, yeah. But maybe, maybe McGregor in 11 seconds, a little bit more. But they were close. It was comparable. Like it was more than Chris Weidman beating Anderson Silva. So it's, it's definitely top two anyway. One, Mr. Podge. Who lost his top spot this week due to promises to other people. We're sorry about that. You'll be back to normal soon. Still a legend. When Chris Weidman pulls out of his fight with Michael Bisbing, what odds are you going to give on a Hendo rematch? Uh, say that again? Sorry. When Weidman pulls out of his fight with Bisbing, what oh. odds are we getting for the Dan Henderson rematch? Jesus, yeah. Could, oh, I don't know. Hopefully Dan Hendo will retire. But just on Chris Weidman, I don't think he'll fight Bisbing. The neck injuries are very serious, and he's having surgery. I don't think he's going to be back that quickly. I, I, you know, I'd be surprised if he's back this year. What is it? He's just six months now, or halfway through the year. I don't think he'll be back. I don't think he'll be back till next year, to be honest. I don't think he's making November. Devastating. Pretty bad mm-hmm. news from it. I'd say that's... <laughs> that's fucking Dr. Sheehan's prognosis. Yeah, I Jesus. Like, I know like <laughs> you are a qualified doctor. I know that anyway. Like Your yeah. medical history does speak for itself especially the stuff that you've uh, put on this podcast like so fair play to you for that mm-hmm. good uh, good analysis Joey Gahan yeah. would like to know has Faber been handicapped by not training under any of MMA's elite coaches I had to reread that because I thought you were using that word in a derogatory way due to the lack of grammar so he actually means has he been impacted by not training yeah. with any of these coaches would he have won that belt under Jackson Wink Definitely not, but maybe he might have won it a few years ago if he was working with them. Uh, yeah, like Uriah Faber is still pretty much a wrestle boxer. He, you know, he'll give takedowns and he'll try to be great hand, and that's pretty much it. Well, with a bit of jiu-jitsu added in as well. But yeah, look, look, I don't know because MMA has progressed an awful lot. I don't think I think he's too old now for it. You know, even if he started working with Greg Jackson's two or three years ago. I think it might have been a little bit too late. You know, that cruise, that first cruise fight was kind of the culmination of, you know, his best years. He was kind of coming to the end of his best years back then. But he's 13 years in the sport now. You know, he's in he's in his final legs uh, at the moment. So I don't, uh, because of how the sport has progressed, I don't, you know, I think he was good at what was good back then. You know, and I think he, he got too old before the sport progressed enough for him to have a really good coach actually matter too much. Hmm. That makes I sense. disagree because he's still like two years away from the right age to go out to Jackson Wink- Winkle Johns <laughs> to be able to improve his career even further. <laughs> Gavin Sherlock wants to know how far can Dustin Parry go? He looks better every fight at 155. Just before that, I just came up with a great idea. Fucking Uriah Faber against BJ Penn at 145. Oh, yeah. Mm. Big fan of that fight. Yeah, there you go. Uh, Dustin Poirier, I was very impressed with Poirier. I think he's a very, very good fighter. Um, I was talking to Graham about this, actually. I don't think he could win a championship, but maybe, you know, he's how it bisping anything can happen. But I think his chin might be a little bit... Uh, a bit of a problem for him and I think Habib Muramagamadov might be a little bit of a problem for him as well if he comes up against him but uh, I'd love to see him fight Benil Dariush next that'd be brilliant uh, one Mr. Podge actually had a follow up that I skipped over that was uh, his better question so sorry about that is Bisping the most inspirational title win ever fell so many times at the last hurdle before getting his shot always said he'd come back has anyone benefited more from a USADA era than Michael Bisping 
doesn't have to worry. Like, look at the top guys that he's lost to, Sean. Do you know? And this is a very valid point that's been made throughout, uh, like, within the last couple of days about Michael Bisbing's win. Yeah, I don't know if it, I don't know if he's been benefited from the USADA era, but he definitely was impacted by the pre USADA yeah, era. Pre USADA era, yeah, hundred um, percent. I don't particularly think you know Anderson Silva failed drugs. That's fair enough, but I don't particularly think Anderson Silva was you know a drugs user for years. But that's I suppose that's uh, you know that's all speculation. But um, you know, I think Anderson Silva just got old. But I don't think Luke Rockhold is. I don't think anyone's ever accused him of, of doing it, and he beat him fair and square as well. Um, what was the other part of it? Is it most inspirational? <coughs> I think he. I said yeah. yes. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely, you know, it's one of them, two of them now. You know, they were dragged down for so long. You know, I I, I remember I did my, my um, Euro 2016, MMA fans guide to Euro 2016 today and I kind of had to edit out the bits about Mike Dermisby and <laughs> put in someone else because he won the championship. But I remember the last one I did about the Rugby World Cup, I, I compared him to Scotland, you know, kind of an all-star round that's, uh, you know, just outside the top guys and probably never going to break into it. And go. how wrong I was. Speaking of top guys... Trying to do the opposite here. Ian Thornton wants to know what are your thoughts on the pros potentially competing in boxing for the Olympics? Yeah, I, it'd be kind like, of cool uh, as a you know as a kind of a casual boxing fan. But if I'm looking at it from a kind of a journalistic point of view, I think it's bad. To be honest, I think it's dangerous, and I don't think it should happen. You know, these guys have been uh, have been trying you know trying to qualify as amateurs for the last four years and for some guy to come in just maybe because they're famous and get it before them is, is goes against everything the olympics is about i think and i think it's wrong well that's fair enough i haven't thought of it like that before i was going to say that the rule set wouldn't actually be that much of a benefit like like it wouldn't it, yeah. yeah i think the amateurs get beat would would beat the pros yeah oh, no in be. many instances they would Completely. And think of the yeah. experience. I was looking at more from the point of view that the experience that an amateur could take from fighting a professional. Like, just to say that they did it en route to an Olympic gold. Like, Katie Taylor was meant to fight Holly Holm before. Yeah. But one of them is still an amateur, the other is a UFC world professional champion. You know, but it doesn't mean that their fighting abilities are any different. Um, anyway, next question, perhaps? Next question. Anyway. Craig Towell would like to know, are we quick to put fighters in a pound-for-pound pound list? Rockhold, example, was in top five already. I think it's fair enough because you know, current pound-for-pound yeah. pound lists are constantly updating. But in terms of all time, then yeah, obviously. But I think we're too quick to write off fighters. Um, I think Michael Bisping, Michael Bisping is number nine in the pound-for-pound pound is now, I, you know. It's a bit weird, <laughs> to be honest. But yeah, uh, like Luke Rockwell deserved to be there. He's a, you know, he's a very very good fighter. Um, but yeah, the pound for pound, this is a bit weird. All right, you know. Robert Palmentieri would like to know: with big wins by late replacements, Bisbing Diaz, will this make fighters less likely to accept late notice replacement fights? <laughs> no, probably not. Because Maybe these guys teammates. aren't earning. Yeah, these guys aren't earning enough money. They need you know. They're usually when they've gone through a full camp, you know, cost them a lot of money, and you know they want to earn their paycheck. And someone, you know, it, more often than not, the guy who has the full camp beats the guy coming in at short notice. I would say I, I've no stats in front of me, but I'd say that's probably true. Um, so yeah, I don't think so. I think they'd rather take the fight in short notice and get their paycheck rather than going around doing a full, uh, doing another full camp and then getting their paycheck six months later. A full, uh, a full follow up here from Andy Cowan. He wants to know just finally at one fifty five would Parry versus McGregor be a hashtag would watch? 
yeah, it'll be a, be a good fight. I I don't think give you much different from from the last fight because as I the last question I just alluded, I think Parry's chin might be a problem against big hitters, and obviously McGregor is a big hitter, and I think he's just <clears throat> Parry is a great fighter, but I think McGregor is just a little bit better of a fighter. Uh, just in the interest of people that maybe are wondering if your question doesn't get read out this week, myself and Sean, have, well, whenever Sean favourites them, we'll look at it. We'll try centre a lot of the discussion around the topics that you ask. So uh, the majority of the questions about Ariel Helwani, like how did, like why did they do it or different things like that, hopefully we have covered it extensively at the opening uh, segment of the show. Ronan One Duffy though, Scruffy81, would like to know, do you think more commissions should follow California and have early weigh-ins? Yes, 100%. Definitely. It is the way forward completely. Was Clay Gita winning before he got knocked out, Sean? Stuart yeah, I think he was. Yeah, I was I'm doing the MMA decisions to you know or ending my uh, thing and I was I was almost writing it in. I was going to say 29 28 Guida and 20 seconds before it's over, he uh you know, he knocked him out. But yeah. As I said earlier, I think Arteca's a good fighter and he's improving a lot, but I'd be a little bit sceptical about his mental ability. Like after the fight, he said he was a, you know, he, he saw the crowd getting him and there was, you know, people people were asking him for tickets beforehand because he lives locally and stuff. And <laughs> he said fighting fighting against Clay Guida, you know, he was a big star and, you know, he was kind of a bit starstruck. And so, what if you fucking fight someone, you know, an actual big name, what's he going to be like? So I'd be a little bit worried about about him from that that point of view but he definitely has good skills and stuff you know he's he's a good fighter but uh, you know I don't think he's he's very very good Brian McLaughlin BMC Dublin wants to know do you think Cruz is going to be the new GSP for defending his belt over and over again with dominant points victories he's he's, he's not the new GSP he's the new Dominic Cruz you know Dominic Cruz was doing that a few years ago himself uh, yeah probably who's, who's he going to fight next if he doesn't fight TJ, who's going to fight him? Maybe Aston So. Uh, he'd probably beat him on a points decision. Uh, who else is there? Garbrandt, I probably think he'd beat him on points. Caraway, he'd beat him on points, probably. Yeah. Unless he, <coughs> unless he fights TJ again or fights someone easier, I think it's going to be that way, yeah. Keen O'Connell is back this week with Brock on 200. Sean, what will send more pay per views, 200 or 202? And what do you think we each will do in pay-per-view numbers? Now, here's one thing, right? The Ali Act Mm -hmm. would then enforce the UFC to reveal pay-per-view numbers, wouldn't it? No. No? They only have to give them out to the fighters, which they already actually do with some people. Like Conor McGregor now can go in, and he has the right to go in and see how many pay-per-view. I think that might be only a few pay-per-view points. No, I I, I don't think Uh, that is possible. I'm not 100% sure. But fighters can go in at the moment. Conor McGregor said he did it. I pretty much think somewhere. Maybe it was even with you, but he said it somewhere. Anyway, but fighters can do that. Um, so yeah, I uh, and that I think with Brock now, I think UFC 200 will probably do more than UFC 202. But I think it'll be close. I think both of them will do more than UFC 100. Does Brock wear a full Reebok head as well? Yeah, from Brian McLaughlin. No, actually, go on. I'm gonna make this fucking prediction. I think he, they're gonna let him wear his Jimmy John's thing. Do you know, he still wears in the WWE. Do you think? There's my prediction. Yeah, Death clutch. How good was Botter's rant on submission radio? Eamon McLean. Brilliant. Even though we hate uh, giving him any sort of praise, you know. Yeah. Ono Leary would like to know if Hunt walk off KO's Brock at UFC 200. Is he officially the coolest man of all time? Yo, imagine. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Jeez, that'd be fucking epic, wouldn't it? My God. 
Uh, Dustin Hayes wants to know will UK MMA get a boost from Bisbing and what sort of state do you feel it is in now in comparison to the rest of the world can I just clarify on something that we said like when we were talking about last week like very yeah. quickly I uh, I had a couple of couple of tongue in cheek tweets the other day um, I was like yeah there'll be a, like when you when we spoke about that before about stuck in the cage fighting era like the people that covered the sport in the UK and the people that did a lot of coverage in the sport in the UK spent their time like going out of their way to like laugh at Bama or make comments about Bama or Dave O'Donnell and UCMMA and stuff like that and that's where the majority of the things that we would have saw were coming from and, and having that opinion of him from a lot of those people do you know what I mean so like that's when when I rep UK MMA it's not for the fighters it's not for the fans it's not for anything like that it's just for like we think it's such a huge area that we think it should be um, like fair enough. It has changed a lot now for the better, but up until maybe the last twelve months, the domestic scene in the UK was not covered well at all. Do you know what I mean? And that was my that was my issue from it. I don't think that you're going to see a massive influx of people because Michael Bisbing is an America as uh, a UK citizen who lives in the United States of America, and that is because of his work. So it's not like it's this big homecoming. It's a guy who's struggled in that area. Yes, he did in the past. And yes, he did do the majority of his training there when he was coming up. But now he's just in a completely different ship. He needs to be on Sky Sports News as well. Yeah, it also, like, Michael, that should have have been breaking news on Sky Sports News, like, minutes after he won the title. Yeah. I put up a tweet, actually, of that. Uh, Well, I don't look at your Twitter, so... Of the uh, Sky Sports News, and I looked for the the yellow breaking thing, but it wasn't there. It's disgraceful as well. Me, like Sky Sports News, they need to be called news of sports that's on Sky Sports, not Sky Sports News. They're not a news, you know. They report on their own channel what happens on their own channel. They don't report on other stuff. Like they're just a joke, really. John Moran would like to. John Mormon, so do you think Rockhold's chin might be severely damaged because of Belfort and Bisbing? I yeah, I actually read that question. I was thinking about it a little bit. Not really, to be honest. Um, you know, it was it was pretty clean knockout. You know, if he takes enough time to recover, he should be okay. The Belfort one was a pretty you know a long time ago, but you know you have to. I talked about Porteous, and you have maybe you have to question his chin a little bit. But although I don't, you know, I wouldn't think so. The, those shots he was caught with, maybe the Bisping one more so than the Belfort one, were huge, big shots that probably would have put anyone away. To be honest, but um, I wouldn't be too, and no, I wouldn't be too worried about it. I think we're uh, I think we're up towards the end of the question, Sean. There you go. Maybe if maybe two more here before we go. Um, Keith Cavanaugh would like to know which fighter from any promotion would you like to see fight one of the current UFC champions? Angela Lee, Lee versus Joanna Bisbing versus uh, or L oh. Junior. I would rather see Shinya Aoki fight Rafael dos Anjos. This is an easy one for me. Go on. Tom Dukenois versus Dominic Cruz. Of course. Oh. What a fight. A good I'd, fight. Rather, I'd, rather him see, I'd rather that fight than anyone in the UFC against Dominic Cruz. I, th- I honestly think Tom Dukenois is one of the top five bantamweights in the world at the moment. He's really, really good. You know, just because he isn't in the UFC, the skills are there. Like, he's, he has the skills. He's, he's going to come in and he's going to make waves as soon as he comes in. 
Um, and Believe to, you me. To finish off the show, friend of the podcast, felt a little bit let down by us last week, Sean. So we're going to make oh, it up yeah. to him here and give him the final couple of questions here. John Harker at Cape May Irish. Does the UFC and WWE agreement mean, well, there we go, we already know. He, this man, Mr. Harker. Does the Mr. UFC Harker. and WWE agreement mean there may be a chance some UFC fighters appear at WWE events like Ronda did? Let's go down to the bottom and see if he had another question here. I think he did. I have a quick one as well from Facebook. Okay, you find grab it and I'll find one from him. Go on. Uh, hold on, I'm just pulling it up. Oh, very It's good. from um, Callum Divin, actually, who was on before. Um, oh, one second now. Who was on before? Oh, yeah. It was just actually what we, uh, we were talking about. Um, with the fact that Bisping won the uh, belt at the weekend, does it make Sky um, maybe sign you know, a deal for the UK TVs up this year? Does it make it more likely for Sky to sign the deal with Bisping as a UFC champion? Possibly. I'm not saying yeah. it's going to be a massive thing for him, but it's, uh, it's definitely... like Sky Sports should have been on it anyway. Do you know? Like They really should have been yeah. showing that anyway. Aside, like... Oh, that's a different like I've never heard that analysis before that you just give about Sky Sports News and it's the most perfect thing in the world it makes so much sense mm-hmm. um, final question then I've, I've gone onto his page I've been able to get one here for us can Sean Sheehan please do some hilarious Matt Sarah impressions and has Andrew McGatton or Sean Sheehan seen any Dundalk Mavericks or UL American football games great sport no. to play no a few of my friends play with the Mavericks I beat the UCC Demons on more than UL I'm a USC, UCC alum. Oh, you don't really go on about that, do you? Economics degree, is it? Shut up. All right, good. And maths, don't forget the maths bit. Uh, anyway, who, whose Matt's impression are you going to do to finish the podcast with this week? I have to do, he told me to do maths era. All right, go on. Okay, well, this is not to finish the podcast. Okay, yeah, but yeah. look, here's the way to do it. I don't want to put you on, I don't want to put you under pressure. I just want you to get yourself comfortable we're going to have a normal conversation and then you're just going to talk over me with your Matt Sarah impression whenever you feel comfortable you know Chris Weidman keep breathing Chris Aljo keep breathing yeah that wasn't great Is that nice if you want to get in touch with us over the next week to let us know how just pathetic Sean Sheehan's impressions are you can send us a tweet at severe MMA pod he's at Sean Sheehan BA I am at Andrew McGahan you can get in touch with us as well over the Facebook page severe MMA podcast he has a like page as well I still refuse to like it at Sean Sheehan MMA severe MMA on Facebook as well give us a like share the love and also severe MMA over on Instagram Sean to close off we've had a request from two of our favourite uh, podcast listeners Dan Stretch Dan Stretch sorry I always get that wrong Shane Heffernan and Shane Heffernan have requested to run the severe MMA Snapchat again definitely not, definitely not. I've seen them boys on Snapchat <laughs> do you know definitely. when they sent it one o'clock in the morning when yeah. one of them was fucking pissing that too. yeah, yeah. That too. any <laughs> chance of running the severe MMA Twitter uh, Snapchat account absolutely oh, Brilliant men. Very funny. Get at us on Snapchat. We love it as well. He's Sean Sheehan BA. I am at Andrew McGahan. Um, 10 past 2 in the morning. Sean, what are you going to do now? I'm actually going down. I'm going to eat a bowl of Rice Krispies before I go to bed because I'm uh, hungry. Well, I am... um, One second. I'm just replying to a message here. 
Come on, Andrew. No, you Jesus. see, I just I just got a text there. You see, um, what am I doing now? What am I doing now? Yes, I'm going to bed. I think I may be in Dublin twice tomorrow, Sean. My mum is going for a checkup in the... I'm all over the place this week. My mum's going for a checkup in the Matter Hospital. Mammy McGahan, as many people know, uh, was not well a couple of years ago. She's on, on to her six-month uh, checkups now, recovering from breast cancer. Uh, she's in, she, Oh, no, she's well in the clear, but um, still has to go back every every couple of months. So she's going up on the bus to the Matter in the morning. But if I get up early enough, I said I would drive her. That's because in her old age as well... No, no, I'm, I'm being let off the hook. It's optional. Because on Thursday we're going to the National Orthopaedic Hospital in Kappa with uh, with Mammy McGahan as well. I'm driving her up for that. Something to do. Uh, you better do both. Torn muscles. Well, look, we'll see. I don't know because I have to go up to Dublin. On, she doesn't really she, the appreciate reason, her. No, I do appreciate her massively. And the reason that she doesn't want me to go up in the morning is because um, I will be going up to Dublin later on in the day anyway for the radio. So she doesn't want me driving up to Dublin to drive back, to drive back up to Dublin, to drive back twice in a day. Fair enough. The Mathis is bus, Sean. It's great. It drops you right to the door of the Mather. The mm-hmm. Mather Hospital. An hour and 55 minutes in the bank. Thank you so much to everyone that has listened. We, this was a sensible enough podcast for myself and Sean to be able to, uh, to talk about what's happened to Ariel Helwani in the last couple of days. We feel is pretty, pretty, pretty unfair, to say the least. We definitely hope there's going to be a re- resolution. Hopefully, Sean, by this time next week, we'll either be talking about uh, the developments that have happened or maybe even Ariel being back in allowed to cover the UFC events so as usual thank you very much for listening enjoy your week have a pleasant seven days Sean <laughs> take it away peace we're out here <laughs>